0: So, when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, <coughs> it's scary. Let's try.
1: Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redactable Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkling and Enebriot Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. I am your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and with me, as always, are my pointing and clicking cohorts, Parasite Steve.
2: The last thing that you remember is standing before the wizard Lackmere, as he waved his hands. Now you find yourself staring at an entryway which lies at the edge of a forest.
1: Oh, wow, you really set the scene there, Parasite. I, mm. I do find myself in that exact scenario. I know. Wow, I jeez. Know, right? I know, what about right? you, Nintendo?
0: You stand before the king of the trolls and his warriors. They growl and shout in their own language.
1: My like, they
0: here. The trolls are here with me right now. Fuck. Raggle raggle. Raggle raggle. raggle, all, they raggle. Is, all they say is fuck. Oh.
1: They just fuck. It's just the whole language of fuck.
0: Fuck. fuck. Like the, fuck. Longer, the longer the fuck, the more serious it is. Fuck. <laughs>
1: There is a fuck still going to this day. Oh, (laughs) most serious thing ever. It's
2: 1995. It's up there in the atmosphere. (laughs) What are we doing here today, guys? Well,
1: I, you know, I mentioned that we're we're pointing and clicking at a few different things, and that's because we're going to be talking about games in the point-and-click adventure genre, Uh, very much, very much popularized on the PC, but also found a few other places. Um, and we wanted to talk about some of the companies that made some of the games and then talk about some of the games that made some of us happy and Mm. just go in that order. Uh, So, you know, we think that'd be kind of fun. I think this is a topic we've kicked around for a little while and i certainly know i grew up with a a heck of a lot of point and click adventure games and i think everybody's had a little bit of an experience with them one way or another out there in the listening audience and us here at retro octopus we certainly have yeah Um, they're
2: they're a great genre of game for people who like um and i do not mean this as a as like slander at all i honestly honestly don't who aren't like super super good at like a lot of other normal types of games that we think of right. as normal types of games like you know yep. violent games anything that doesn't like, require even, even like a mario reflexes. even like right
1: it, like it doesn't it, require you to be you know it, timing platforming any it's like or, you can just take in a scene
2: you yeah know, you don't figure have out to be good with the right. controller like that's a big yeah, yeah. you know the and i the hear that thing. a lot
1: that people say that you know yeah. the controller is the issue that they're just not good at doing right
2: like you know i always think of like you know your mom playing the video game and like trying to get mario to go over the the hole and jump further and she actually moves the controller and in in real life and she's moving it as if they moving the controller in real space is gonna somehow make the video game character go further right and that's such a funny thing that like i think a lot of people have either done or they know people who do that right and um you know noobs but you know you don't you just don't have to worry about that kind of thing with point and click
1: adventures. right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep.
1: That's absolutely true. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, and, and you know actually just just as we're talking about this, I just thought of another game, so I mm-hmm. I, I, I have to mention it somewhere in the episode. But oh my gosh, uh, I, I'm true. not gonna I'm not gonna go uh, I'm not gonna go there yet. Um, but yeah, so let's just do this roundtable style old school episode yeah. format and um, and you know kick things off. So I am not gonna kick things off actually. Let's kick things off with nintendo let's hear from you first sir
0: oh hey kuga, hey, kuga. so uh the the game that i want to mention is uh Shenara for the the uh uh ms dos and that was released by legend entertainment company um so do you, do you want me to talk about the the company yeah, talk, talk sure. about the
1: company first and then yeah. get into like the details on the game i think that All would right. work best
0: okay cool so, uh, Legend Entertainment Company was a Northern Virginia-based developer started in 1989 by Bob Gates and Mike Verdu. Really? Their early games were illustrated te- text adventures. In 1993, they broke away from that tradition uh, with Companions of Xanth, which was the first oh, right. thing to feature a point-and-click interface. Oh, that's uh, so crazy.
2: I didn't know that that was like the first one, but I rem- yeah. I do I do remember playing... Uh, I think I had The Clouds of Xanth or something uh, that came out later,
0: but I remember playing that series. Nice. Yeah. Really cool. Um, since around 1993 to 1994, they have used different distributors for each game. If nothing else is noted, uh, they have distributed their own games themselves. In spite of their relative success, up until fall of 1995, they decided to stop publishing games themselves, but instead focus on doing development work for other companies. Then in 1999, Legend was acquired by GT Interactive. GT was subsequently acquired by in- Infogames, which changed its name to Atari. Atari closed Legend. I've heard of them. I, uh, oh, I think oh. I think we all have at some point in our lives. Huh. So they, they closed Legend Entertainment in late 2003 after the Unreal 2 expanded multiplayer add-on that had been released at the time. Huh. And uh, so between 1990 and 2003, they released 21 games. Uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, Unreal 2, The Awakening, The Wheel of Time, which I had no idea was huh. a Oh, thing. wow. Um, yeah, Un- I didn't.
2: I didn't know that was an old game.
0: That's cool. Yeah i definitely like to check it out. Um, yeah. Unreal Mission Pack One Return to Napali. John John Saul's Blackstone Chronicles in Adventure and Terror. Calan's Cross Time Salon Saloon or whatever. Um <laughs> oh, I mean, shooting is each other. Is, or is we're doing doing or a I don't hair. even know. I, don't know. I just don't fucking know.
1: How many O's are there? I'm a yes. I Six. Think it's like, like eight. Okay, well, then it's all straight out. I don't know. That's anyone's guess. <laughs>
0: Uh, Star Control 3, The Lost Adventures of Legend, Mission Critical, Shannara, this uh, game I'll be talking about later on, uh, Death Gates, Superhero League of Hoboken, Companions of Xanth, Eric <laughs> the Unready, Gateway 2, Homeworld, Spellcasting Party Pack, Frederick Paul's Gateway, Steve. Mert Mur- <laughs> spell casting 301 spring so, so break. Just, a, just a bunch of games. Just, just a bunch, bunch. Just a, just a bunch. bunch. So I mean I will Jesus not go into anything. Yeah, right. Okay. But that is quite a bit. That's a lot. But, um, yeah. That's that is a lot. They, they, so they made, made a lot games. in a short. Yeah, yeah, they made a lot of games. Uh so yeah, Shanra is an amazing point and click adventure game, which I started playing again today. Uh, right before we started recording this episode. Um Real quick, uh, like probably like the best way to play these older games is if you check out playclassics.games, they have a metric fuck ton of awesome old school games and genre is a lot of them there, that are not playable
1: anywhere else,
2: it. yeah. Because they like they're emulating DOS for you, essentially, like right. a lot of old platforms, not just DOS, but all sorts of old computer
0: systems they're just like emulating for you. It's nice. Yeah. Really yeah, cool. it is wicked awesome, and and I'm having a, a freaking blast with the game. I can't wait to like <laughs> actually awesome. go through it. It's so it's fun so to cool. go
1: revisit an old game. Yeah, and still have a great yeah,
0: to... absolutely. Um, so the the plot of the game is you play as Jack Omsford, the son of Shay. Um, the game is based on the books. Right. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, the Terry um, Brooks. The Terry yes. Brooks.
2: Se- long running series starting with the sword of Shannara in yes. 1977. I've so, never read yeah. these
0: books. Have you read these? Books? I think, I think I read a couple of books because of this game. Right. Like, like later on in life. Cause I know you went through a phase where you were like devouring, like, like the books. books. Yeah. yeah. Like big time. Um, but yeah, I think I read a couple of books and I thought, thought they're really cool. Um, you can probably beat this game in like a few hours if you're really familiar with the story and you know what to do, because it's all like it's from the books. So if you know the books, you will know how to you know figure out all, all the puzzles or what whatnot. But if you're not familiar with the story, uh, you can take at least up to ten hours or
2: more. To yeah, get I saw game. I I saw a long play. This dude did it in eight hours. I mean, it was a long. It was a yeah, long long it is play,
0: crazy. So I mean crazy. it's it's
2: it's not super short.
0: I mean, oh, <clears throat> not at
2: all. And I I got the impression that it was more like a standalone story, like it was um using the world and some of the characters. I know like the the druid anon features. He's kind of I I feel like he's kind of like the Gandalf of Shannara. I don't know if that's really if Shannara fans would hit me over the head for saying that, but <laughs> that's definitely yeah. what I what I felt like of him from this game. I thought he was really cool. Yeah. um, Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, like I I know there are like settings and uh, characters and stuff, but I I, I don't know that it follows one of the books. I think it's, I really, I think it's its own thing, but it's it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of story in this game.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like a a lot of uh, problem solving, a lot of puzzles. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what I really like about this game is like, I don't play a, a lot of point and click adventure games. So a lot of this stuff is new to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so like one of the things I like about this game, and I'm sure other point and click games are like this as well. Um, you can like combine items. Like you can like combine like bow and arrow with a rope or you can like hand right. off items to, like other characters or whatever. If you, if you have, you know, if you've filled up your, whole inventory you can give stuff to like other characters in the game whatever and you got to figure out like the right combination of items to put together in order to progress in the game and i don't know i just think that's, that's really really cool it's really it's, yeah. it's it's interesting for me yeah i yeah, had to a... think more about the
1: puzzle solutions and stuff yeah. yeah
2: like uh so i played it for just a little bit uh as well and uh well i mean i we we both played it back in the day yeah. when did this come out like 90 95, 95 95 yeah so we i remember we played it like i i know i was the one who owned it but i feel like you and in boss rush mode both like watched the whole freaking game i feel like yes. we played it together um yeah like trying to figure it. out
0: like everything together yeah, yeah that was a lot of fun.
2: I, and i know we we all like had uh you know good good impression of the game afterwards we all liked it for some time but um but like today i was like messing around and i had forgotten some of the play mechanics for the game but like there was like one of the very early screens that's just like puzzle stuff and you see this girl and she's like you know trapped under a log and it's like okay figure Mm. it out and so at this point all you have in your inventory is like a book and a fishing pole and, and a knife, it, you have a knife too. And a knife. And yeah, it's like, it. okay, well, so how do you get the log off of her? It's like, well, try picking up the log. No, it's too heavy. Okay, yeah. well, and then I tried to move it with I tried to use the fishing pole on the the tree on the log, you know, maybe thinking I could like pry it off of her or something like that. Yeah. And um, and it says, Oh, that's a good idea, but you need something to use as a fulcrum. So then yeah. if you search the ground, you find a rock. Her- there's a a big boulder and it says you can like move you can push the rock and it pushes it over and it changes the the graphic on the screen too like you see these like like drag marks where it's you know moved over and then you can try it again and now that the rock's there to be the fulcrum it'll work and it's just like okay that's kind of cool you could actually you actually got to move something into place in the environment and then you can use your thing on the other thing and I don't know. It's it's yeah. it's you know logical to a point. I mean, it's silly to think that he would have been able to lift that with the fishing pole, unless that is like <laughs> a really <laughs> magical fishing pole. Yeah, but, was really but, but still, the, fishing pole. Yeah, the, the basic logic is there, though.
0: Yeah, um, I had like the hardest time like trying to figure yeah. out like how to save the, the king from the from uh, trying to make an antidote for the king because he was poisoned. Oh, I didn't get that far. Yeah, it was really it was really annoying. It was like, so you had to like, you had to grow some type of like leaves off, uh, off a tree or whatever. You had to go to like the, uh, the herbalist's uh, store, take the green potion. And then he'll ask you, what are you using it for? And then you're like, well, I got, I think it can save the King. So he lets you take it and you pour it all over the tree and it just, the tree just like blossoms. So you take the flowers instantly. from the tree instantly. boom. So, so you take that, you go into the, the king's room. You take the, the pot that had his tea in it. Mm-hmm. You pour the pot on, on top of the, uh, the burner, which, which uh, puts the fire out and leaves coal behind. So you take the coal because you need coal for the, the antidote. And you need like some other thing too. I forget what it was. Yeah, like go to the herbalist <laughs> to, to make the potion. Then when, the, when you get there, the herbalist guy is dead. Like, what the fuck? Like, the, the That's guard not is, helpful. I'm like, I, like it, this always bothered me about the games. Like, the guard was right fucking there the whole time. <laughs> There's only one I way to dead. get to this store. Who the fuck just randomly walked in there and killed the herbalist guy? Some random daredevil. do well. What the fuck was it? Was it Casper? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> No, the he's a so friendly, friendly ghost. He's a, friend. he's a friendly. Not ghost. He wants to be a friend. He's a he's a he's a friendly killer.
2: He's a former friendly ghost.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, back to the the plot of the game. Uh, you play as Jack Omsford, the son of Shay, who's in the, the the original character in the books, and you adventure. Your adventure starts in Shady Vale, where you meet Alon. Alon. Al, 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 Alan. Alanon. His Name is all Alanon. along. No, no his name all Alanon. along. Al,
2: Alan. Alanon. It's Alanon. Al, Alanon. <laughs> Alan.
0: We, we can call him uh, Burnett Gandalf. That's fine. Okay. Oh, okay. That's
1: fine. Bernadette yeah. Gandalf.
0: <laughs> Anyways, he tells you of the horrible warlock's warlock lords' return. So you set off into the the four lands on your journey. You meet familiar friends, horrific enemies some surprise characters from the books so there's like three there's essentially three different sides to the game firstly there is an adventure mode in which each player controls jack and his friends interacts with characters and solves the puzzles they are presented with Mm -hmm. secondly there is a travel screen in which the character is kind of like a, like a map screen. Where you can yeah, really this is one of shit. the things that I was like, I really didn't
2: remember this. Yeah, it's yeah, like an really, overworld map screen, like like, right. Zelda. like really super like
0: cool. super super basic. Yeah, basis, it so. is. It's super basic, but yeah, it's there. Still cool. Yeah, it's totally there. Um, uh, lastly, there is a fight screen. So there's like there's battles in the game, basically.
2: Totally freaking
0: forgot. Yeah, so I've crazy, never heard is... of
1: a point and click adventure game with random. battles. I know, right? It's yeah. so
0: weird. What, what's cool though is like if you're like on the the map screen, you can see the monsters. So you just gotta like try to avoid them. The yeah, whole it's time. like Zelda Two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly like Zelda Two. Okay. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I I love this game so much. It is so much fun.
1: Nice. That is really fun and such a cool, you know, option that it's out there to play on that website that you mentioned. Uh, Can you say it again? What
0: was that? It was a play. I I just had it too. And I just like, (laughs) Got, got play right
1: something.games is, is something
0: whatever. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can I games. can
2: put the link actually in the show notes, guys, if you're interested in checking out Shannara or like honestly, there's a number of other games. And for point and click, I know that there are some other point and click uh classics up there too. I was also messing around with full throttle up there, um, which nice. is that's a classic. I mean, my <laughs> god is that game still awesome like uh, same thing same t- same thing with Shannara. it just completely holds up um i don't think any of us picked it tonight but um full throttle is another really great one you can
0: play yeah, yeah that's
2: considered
0: that's as, like one of- one of the best point and click games of all time still ah, it right is. i remember when full throttle came out actually <clears throat> like
2: I, re- I have a distinct memory. You know, just like random days just become core memories, and it's not even like a a big deal thing. But for some reason, it just never left you. And I remember at at the at this mall we always went to, there was a uh, electronics boutique, and yep. they had a computer set up in the back that was for PC games. That was like their spot to demo various oh, you know, I PC totally games. Remember that that. Yeah, out. yeah. Mm. And um, and I remember. The, the day I walked in and they had full throttle playing and I was like, Oh my God. I mean, this is when the super Nintendo was out. So it's like, th- that was so revolutionary. It was, it's such a living cartoon. I mean, it's, it's sprite based too. It's all pixels and it's, it's, it's unbelievable how much animation is in that game. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Looking cool.
0: So the, the website is called playclassic.games. games cool and okay. i'll still i'll they, still
2: put uh, it in the show uh, notes though yeah so if anybody wants it
0: absolutely
1: yeah. nice all right awesome so shannara starts us off uh in legend entertainment well i am going to uh i'm going to say my first pick now uh which is a company with so many games that are near and dear to my heart and i don't know <laughs> a lot of you out there are probably not not thinking of this one unless you're of a certain age group uh and uh, and that company is Humongous Entertainment, oh, yeah. uh, and their absolutely huge catalog of point and click adventure games, their junior adventure series for kids. Um, I mean, my God, still to this day, I don't think I've I've found a, a series of games that have so much love and attention put into every square pixel that is in the freaking game i mean it's just crazy but i'm getting ahead of myself so humongous entertainment uh they're an american game developer that was based in bothell washington founded in 1992 best known as the developer for many edutainment game series. Uh, their games sold over 15 million copies and earned them uh, over 400 awards of excellence. Uh, originally wow. formed by Shelley Day and Ron Gilbert. Ron Gilbert is an American video game designer, programmer, and producer. His games are generally focused on interactive storytelling and he is actually best known for his work with prior company on several LucasArts adventure games, including sums that will be mentioned in this episode uh and uh the monkey island games Mm. um shelly m day Mm. began her career in 1985 at electronic arts she worked for accolade Taito, and lucas arts before founding humongous entertainment with ron gilbert that
2: that makes so much sense
1: She was a producer on uh, games such as the Grand Prix Circuit, the Dual Test Drive 2, and Monkey Island 2, as well as uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis at LucasArts. Um, She is also the sole creator for the Putt-Putt series uh, because (laughs) she actually made the character herself as a bedtime story character for her son. Way before it was a video game. Wow. She came up with the cut character. Nice. Um, The name Humongous Entertainment was suggested by Ron Gilbert's former colleague at LucasArts, Tim Schaefer. That's a big fucking deal. Tim Schaefer is the CEO of Double Fine Productions, who are the creators of Psychonauts, Brutal Legends, Costume Quest, and The Broken Age, just to name a few of many 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 games that double fine has done but tim schaefer also had a hand in every single one of the games that lucas arts put out that you know and love all of them tim schaefer was legendary staff at lucas arts before leaving and starting double fine productions um and so the name humongous entertainment was apparently a suggestion from him i couldn't find the full story but that was neat um like I alluded to earlier, Humongous would become best known for their junior adventure game series, including Putt-Putt, a friendly purple car that helps out town folks with daily troubles. Freddie Fish, an inquisitive yellow fish that solves local mysteries along with her friend, uh, green Luther. Fishy pal Luther. I uh, <laughs> love
2: Luther. He's the best. Luther is
1: the bomb. I love him <laughs> so much. Uh, pajama Sam a young boy who gets caught up in adventures that help him conquer fears and overcome personal obstacles and spy fox an international super spy that uncovers conspiracies and does it while looking dashing as hell um, <laughs> other lesser game series developed as part of the junior adventure line included the big thinkers which was a game starring a brother and sister that could shape-shift and it was intended to help kids to get into new school grades similar to jumpstart so they had a big thinkers kid Kindergarten, bid thinkers, first grade. They didn't go further than that. They just, I don't think, could really compete with the Jumpstart game series. Um, There was also the Junior Field Trip series, which uh, starred Buzzy the Knowledge Bug. And it would kind of help you uh, click around and get to explore different places that were in the real world, almost like a video. Tour um, where you would go to. There was a game based on farms, there was a game about the airport, and there was a game where he went through jungles. I felt like that one actually kind of didn't. It, it seemed like that was the odd one out. It was like, oh, jungles aren't a place I feel like I might ever end up like randomly. You know, like a farm or an airport, it's like, all right, yeah, there's like stuff going on here. But a jungle just sort of was like, what is this? Uh, like the supermarket maybe would have been another good one. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Um, And then they also had one off title in the game series, Fatty Bear, with Fatty Bear's Birthday Surprise. I imagine that the game didn't do super well because of the name. I don't know. Um, But I actually love Fatty Bear's Birthday Surprise. It's one that I've played a lot of times because it's really fast. Like, these style of games, once you know what to do, you can get through them pretty quickly. Uh, And I don't know. If, like, I just have an itch to play, like, a random game humongous entertainment game fatty bears birthday surprise i can get through in like 25 minutes so my god uh, it's it's (laughs) pretty fun to just like go through it um but uh humongous entertainment would also become widely known and honestly maybe more known uh than than the stuff i love them for uh but for their backyard sports series um they were a very popular series of approachable sports titles for kids featuring a original cast of characters shared across all the games. And they would, all, you know, each game would be based on a different sport. So they had backyard baseball, soccer, football, basketball, hockey, and even skateboarding. And I know that some of those games actually later on, as the company got acquired and different things, they would continue making backyards, backyard sports games. Uh, so... I don't know. Go figure. They, they might have been a, a gangbuster uh, more so than I ever knew. I really didn't play them too much. Hmm. Um, one of the things that I'll say before I dive into my pick for a game is that with the Humongous Entertainment games, uh, one of the things that just really, really blew my mind was that every time you played a given game, some of them, it wasn't this way. But each game had multiple different ways that it could, could generate your game. So every single time that you played through it, you might not always have to solve the exact same puzzles, or you might not always find the items in the exact same spots. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you
2: telling me that Freddy Fish was roguelike?
1: uh, Not so (laughs) indefinite, but yeah, kind of. It was it was kind of more like there was like three or four different layouts that a game could have when you booted okay, it. Up, okay, okay. And you never knew what you were gonna get. There was no way to specifically choose it was it was like a bunch of other. chocolates. You never know what you're going <laughs> to yeah. get. And so I would play these games over and over and over again because they would be different. And I'm like, that item wasn't there the first time I played this. I yeah. had to get that item from this other <laughs> character. And so I, I think that was something that they started to do more with the later games. I know that Pajama Sam, I know that Spy Fox did them and some of the later putt-putt and freddie fish ones but like some of their earlier titles that wasn't really the case um mm-hmm. but that blew my mind i mean i never saw anything like that and it was so cool because these games are so sculpted you know there's so everything's like a, a drawn out pixel art scene and there's all this voice acting and everything so the fact that like it could be different every time you play it was super cool
0: that is
2: that's so cool mm. it's, i mean they they're they're adding replay value for little kids, for kids who kids. are probably the the number one person on the planet who's not going to mind.
1: Right. Kids will rock, <laughs> right. Watch, <They'll> watch Shrek <laughs> every day for yeah. four exactly.
2: years. Exactly. Like, yeah. dude,
1: exactly. They don't care. They don't They don't need variety. They actually like, you know, consistency. That's insane.
2: Um, Really insane. Really cool.
1: Really insane stuff. And actually, and the other thing that really made the game so special was that, you know, obviously in any point and click adventure game, people have, if you've heard of the term pixel hunting or something like that, where sometimes you get to the point in a game where you don't know what the fuck to do and you're just clicking on every square inch of everywhere. Um, The Humongous Entertainment's philosophy was that, I mean, obviously none of the games were that hard. Mm. uh except for spy fox i would say was the most challenging i i did have a hard time beating those ones sometimes uh but everywhere that you clicked on on the screen would animate would do something would move would play a little sound effect would have a little joke or a gag or something i mean fucking everything you know you'd be like okay I'm on this little screen and I have to either go into that house or go over there or collect that item. And it's, you know, there's not that much going on, but you could click the rock and the rock would pop up and a little hermit crab would run out and he would just sing a little song and then go away. And it's like, they, they, built-in little (laughs) animations on every square inch of everything (laughs) and i mean my god is that something that like as a kid i loved it it was a huge part of what made it so much fun to play the games but as an adult i appreciate the shit out of that because i can't honestly think of any point and click games that went to that level to make just so many different animations right. just for the hell right. of it they didn't yeah. do anything
2: and it, it and it ensured that the kid who was not good at figuring out what to do was still having some degree of fun yep. they could yep. still even if they could only get to three screens and they yep. couldn't figure out what the heck to do next they, you know, because they're like too young or whatever, they could still have a blast. I am yep. sure yep. clicking absolutely everything a billion times on every screen.
0: Like, I yeah. am positive yes. that would still be just fun. to see what kind of animation it would make. Yeah. or yeah. Just, And, yeah, and so
1: sometimes, awesome. sometimes yeah. it was like a little mini game that wasn't even intentional. You know, like as a kid, you're, you're always thinking you've got this like creative just mind. And, you know, some of the scenes would be like, oh, OK, well, there's like these three little tree stumps. And if you click one, a balloon will pop up and it'll pop and it'll make a noise. But you can just click them in any order as fast as you want. So you'll just like sit there clicking them and then all these balloons pop up and then you get to hear the sound effect happen like 45 times in a row. And it's just like you're you're just playing with this thing. This is literally just a, a virtual toy at that point. And it's just the background animations in one scene. I mean, I, I just I remember doing that for like big long stretches of time, just having fun fucking right. around. And it's like I at that point, you know, my mentality was never, oh, I have to beat the game. Just, yeah, right. I'm just playing it. Like I don't right. care. It's fun. Yeah, yeah you're um, playing
2: with it. It's it's like a toy at that point, yes. right? Yes. It's, it's
1: the same same thing like we always do in games on the NES where we just like press the duck animation so that way you can like make them dance. <laughs> you know, just like fucking around. <laughs> Because like right, that's the right. shit that you just like have fun with. You're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna press the down button and make my guy dance to the background music. My like,
2: whole friggin' life.
1: It's just the thing. <laughs> like it's 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 just pure joy. Uh, I still so do that
2: was, like, all the time. Yeah. I just Always do that.
1: Right. Yeah. I know. It's you're like, it's
2: especially just... <laughs> if there's like an elevator sequence. You're just waiting it. for the damn elevator. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, yep just popping around.
1: I mean with Mega Man you couldn't duck, so you would have to do the little foot foot scooch. Scoot.
2: You know, the little
1: foot scoot, one pixel, you know, foot scoot.
2: That's funny. That's the song I was thinking of too.
1: Yep. So uh so I mean humongous entertainment will just always Occupy such a huge, yeah. amazing part of my of my childhood, and I have so much love and reverence for them. um But you know, without without further ado, I well, want I to do, to... I
2: just I do want to say. Oh yes, on. go
1: go go right ahead, go, go
2: for it. So th- it would make perfect sense, Joe, if you like have no idea what these things are virtually, because there's no reason for you to have known. But Tim, like, was so obsessed with these that I feel like I play them in the same way that you and Greg played Shannara at my house. It's like, (laughs) I just, I just watched them and he was always playing them and always getting the new ones. And, and it was, you would play them over and over and over. I mean, uh, I, I think the the first one you ever got was putt, putt saves the zoo. And I loved the, uh, I loved the song. It was just like, putt, putt saves the zoo. Papa, Papa saves save Zazu. Zazu. And it was like Papa Zazu. Save Zazu. Papa saves Zazu. Papa saves Zazu. Papa saves Zazu. It's just like does he save Zazu from the lion king? Is that what Papa save Zazu. Um just just absolutely such a memory for me too. Even though I never played a single one of them. They were way yeah. too young for me, but mm-hmm. you were these were some of your first video game experiences I think, but they were also probably the first ever video games that were yours, yours. Like yeah. They were not just, it's not just that we bought them. It's not that there's a difference between this is mine, but my siblings also want to play with it all the time, but it's mine and I'm taking ownership of it. And then there's, there's something else. If it's like, no, it's yours, but only you care about, like you're the only one who's ever going to play this. Right. And um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's funny, but I think that you, I think that they were really were truly a big deal for you. Like I know, I know they were, and uh, <laughs> it was it was really cool just watching them mature as you did because you know you started with Puppet and Freddie Fish, which were you know geared towards very little kids, and then with Pajama Sam and or Pajama Sam, you really got to say Pajama. Yeah, Pajama uh, Sam. Pajama Sam. Um, pajama Psalm. It doesn't rhyme. <laughs> pajama Psalm.
1: I mean it rises it just sounds douchey. it's like it's like
2: good food and good food, good food. um yeah um then uh, in spy fox they started to get a little bit harder and, yeah uh, you know still for kids but not for maybe four-year-olds or something you know it's like you know six-year-olds seven-year-olds or something um yep. and it was just it was just really cool and um that was definitely just such a humongous deal that that company uh in our house yep.
1: for sure but i just yeah. i just
2: I just also remember it very fondly. And I, I loved Luther. Luther is my boy. Luther Luther was a
1: bomb. He was like
2: just a bundle of energy and I really liked his Mm -hmm. voice and he was really, really fun.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he's still like super funny. I feel like I've, I've watched Freddy fish, uh, gameplay and stuff in the past few years and just still like found him to be genuinely funny and just a great performance and everything. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, uh, this, this, you know, there aren't many of the humongous games that I didn't get to play of the of the core titles. uh, But also, I remember that you know, my cousin Mike. Shout out to Mike, Mike Norton. I know you're out there. I know you're listening to this one. Um, yeah, so like, hi. But uh, but yeah, I remember Mike. Mike had the Spy Fox games were were like definitely his favorite ones, and he had. The second spy fox game which i never ever got to play i think that mm-hmm. was called some assembly required uh, the first one was called spy fox in dry cereal which is so fucking funny uh but it's like about like the, about like this giant corporation mm-hmm. that stole all the cows and, and it was called like in like it incorporated moo juice conglomerate or some shit and uh <laughs> And it was just about, like, you know, there being no milk. <laughs> it was just oh, Spy Fox and dry cereal. And it was fucking funny. And uh, <laughs> that game would change a lot between plays. And there was some times where I'm like, oh, it's this layout. I can mm-hmm. do this one. And other ones, I'm like, I don't know what to do at a certain point. Um, Spy Fox was super awesome. It was just not my favorite one. Um, but, Mike, I know you loved those ones. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, to, to carry on forward, Pajama Sam we were talking about is – is my my favorite of the bunch um Mm -hmm. i i adore pajama sam um this was really the the specific one that you know i just i always would go back to uh i played all of them but this one man i loved it so much so debuting in 1996 uh when i was the tender age of five pajama sam no need to hide when it's dark outside Mm -hmm. the game features a young boy named sam who dons his footy pajamas and a red cape to conquer his fear of the dark uh, PJ Sam, as I like to call him, is voiced by Pamela Seagal Adlin, uh, who's an American voice actress. She voiced Pajama Sam from 96 to 2001 in all of the games except for Pajama Sam Sockworks, which was kind of just a minigame. Uh, she's also known for voicing Bobby Hill on King of the Hill, Spinelli on Recess, and Otto in Time Squad, as well as various other roles. Uh, pretty awesome. Wicked distinct voice. Whenever I hear her in something, it immediately is Pajama Sam. I always, I always, it's like, it is inseparable. Like, I'm like, oh, oh, it's Pajama Sam. Um, so, so yeah, the game starts out and uh, Sam is reading his favorite comic book, which is a story about how the evil darkness is thwarted by uh, the superhero Pajama Man, uh, and uh, and so he stuns the darkness with his flashlight and sucks him into his portable containment unit lunchbox, which is just totally a ghost trap from Ghostbusters. It's just a, it's just a lunchbox. Um, and so the the deal is that Sam is sleeping with the lights off for the very first time. Uh, so he's reading this comic book, and then his mom comes in and shuts off the light, and he's all scared and nervous. And uh, he you know turns the light off, and he's sitting in his bed. Uh, and so when he's he realized that he's super scared, he's like, you know what? He's like, I should do I should do what Pajama Man does. You know, I'm, I I shouldn't let the darkness get to me. And so he he gets up and uh, he grabs his little cape his little pajama cape off the end of his bed and spins around and he goes, it's time for pajama, Sam! And uh, and so he goes around his room and he gets his mask and his flashlight in the lunchbox and he's all geared up. He's ready to go fight darkness in his closet. Thinks it's going to be no big deal. Uh, and then when he goes into the closet, he gets sucked down into like underneath this mountain of stuffed animals and just ends up in the land of darkness. And it's like, Roll title credits, you know, and I'm like, oh my god, what just happened to this poor boy? Like, what the <laughs> hell? Um, and uh, and yeah, so you know, this uh, this kind of starts the game off, and he's all he's all decked out, and he's got all his gear, and then very quickly you run into a, a forest, and they take all your stuff, and then you're just regular old Sam, and you have to get all your different stuff back. Uh, where your stuff ends up going is randomized, so that is oh. fun. Um, So you don't always find the stuff in the same places. Um, Like I said, there's just, you know, clickable stuff everywhere. Um, In addition to, you know, solving through the game and finding all of the pieces of his Pajama Man costume so that he can actually face off against the darkness. uh, There's also a bunch of missing socks, like... His mom said some random comment at the beginning about like, oh, you know, you really got to put away your socks, Sam. You really got to sort your socks. And so when you're in the Land of Darkness, it's like sort of still his closet. So his socks are just like strewn about everywhere. Um, So it's kind of like a seek and find. Like in, in all the different scenes of the game, there are usually a sock hidden somewhere and it's just it's just for fun if you find all the socks there's like an extra screen at the end where it shows them all like paired up together and all the socks are like organized or whatever and i think that i think that sam's mom says something at the end like she'll be like oh and thank you thanks for organizing all your socks like i asked like it's just no big deal it's just funny and fun to do and fun to like look for um you uh you also like you meet like a bunch of different characters like there's uh there's a, a, a boat named Otto that you find, like, really early on. And he just helps you kind of, like, move around the Land of Darkness. There's a lot of different water. Uh, there's a mine area in the mine cart there. His name is Mud. And uh, and he's just like, oh, I'm Mud. And, you know, I'm not I'm not worth much of anything. I don't move like I used to. And, uh, and if you help him out and you, like, get oil for his wheel he restores his former glory and he's like i remember he's like my name's king and i'm the king of these mines i used to run around these places as fast as anything and he like you know he gets all psyched up and then you can ride him and go explore the depths of the mines and find different stuff and there's even like an arcade game buried deep in the mines that you can play and you it's just kind of like a little you know old school like retro game style thing where you move the minecart around and collect gems and stuff, and I remember playing that a ton. It's just not for anything, just for fun, just a little mini game, whatever. Go for the high score, um, and uh, and so you know you go through the whole game and you collect all the different stuff and face off against darkness. And I really like how they end the game. Um, they you know they have him face off against darkness, and you find out that he's actually a really nice person. And he's just misunderstood. And he says that everybody is scared of him because of how he looks. And he can't really help it. And he's honestly just looking for a friend to hang out with and play, you know, board games with. Uh, But nobody ever wants to hang around him because he's so scary. And he's like, he's like, you know, I I remember he's like, nobody ever wants to play with me. Everybody's scared of how I look. And like, there's a, there's a tic-tac-toe. Uh, analog, that's called cheese and crackers, and uh, I remember like there's this one part where character is like, I want to play some cheese and crackers, and it's just essentially like. It's exactly like Tic-Tac-Toe, but instead of X's and O's, one, one team is cheese and one team is crackers. And I remember the game ends with uh, the Darkness asking Sam, he's like, do you like cheese and crackers? And Sam's like, I love cheese and crackers. And then it just ends like with him playing cheese and crackers with Darkness. And uh, it's just freaking wholesome as hell. It's so nice. and And that was kind of the cool thing about Pajama Sam games is they tried to present you with something that maybe you were afraid of and then go through the game and discover that it's not something to worry about um and i loved that and that was cool and i mean i wouldn't say like oh this game helped me conquer my fear of the darkness but like it just ultimately was a a cool message and a you Mm -hmm. know a a neat kind of way to do it um and there are four pajama sam games uh the second one is thunder and lightning aren't so frightening which I oh my
2: god i remember that title yeah
1: i i adore that one um it's really great i mean the first one i think is my favorite like you know thematically i think the environment the land of darkness is super fun and cool um but thunder and lightning aren't so frightening is excellent and then pajama sam 3 you are what you eat from your head to your feet uh also excellent and actually borrows some characters from the previous two games in different ways which is really fun uh the fourth game in the series i never played it came out way after i was playing these games it was called pajama sam life is rough when you lose your stuff and i want to say it doesn't have the same voice actor but i could be wrong i mean i couldn't find an a, a, another person who voiced pajama zam um but what's great is that humongous entertainment games are all available on steam there is a humongous entertainment bundle that has every single game they've ever created um i think i paid 50 bucks <clears throat> for it and i i legitimately got probably 40 Humongous Entertainment games, oh like God, I don't, I don't even, I, or whatever it is, you know, it's like it's every single main game of all of their franchises, plus all of the side mini game spin off collections, like everything. Uh, really well, at, amazing.
2: At least some of them are actually available on PS4 and the Switch as well.
1: Yeah, I saw so, that too, which yeah,
2: is yeah, really hum- cool. humongous.com. Uh, is actually on the Pajama Sam page where I am right now. Yeah. Uh, some of the sequels say get yours on Switch. Uh, it sounds like uh, the first one and second one are on Switch at least. And um, yeah, the first, so the first two are on, it looks like PS4 and Switch, the first two mm-hmm. Dark Outside and Thunder and Lightning aren't so frightening.
1: Which is awesome. Those I mean those two are fantastic. But yeah, I, I you know I love Pajama Sam to death and I think they're so much fun. So, you know, that's kinda that's kind of what I wanted to say about nice. it. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I think that they are still super fun for me because you know, growing up with them. I'm sure that any adults who'd play them now would think that they're, you know, overly simplistic. I do think that you would appreciate the level of of you know care and attention that's in there um but i'm sure it would not be a, a very difficult playthrough for anybody and you know it, it is what it is but if you have kids or anything like that i, I think it's 100 percent worth introducing them to uh right. if they're interested Definitely. but yeah uh pretty cool pretty cool stuff nice. pretty, pretty happy to get to talk about them um oh, yeah. all right parasite steve your all turn right. sir <clears throat> so
2: my presentation is definitely not going to be as in depth as that one because I've actually never played this game. But the reason I picked it is because it is just so important that, you know, it. if we're doing a point and click episode, mm-hmm. we absolutely cannot do the thing without talking about this game. This game was a seminal game. It was a game that non-gamers Bought computers just to play because it was such a thing, um, and of course, I am talking about Mist. Now, legendary yeah, game. I mean, legendary game. <clears throat> um, so it's just a game I actually never played. So uh I did a bunch of research and I watched some footage and I watched a bunch of um, behind the scenes videos. And, um, I, uh, don't have anything. I don't, I don't currently have a computer set up with steam. The, the missed games are by and large, all on steam. There are various versions that have come out over the years too, that you can play, but the original originals are a little bit harder to play. It seems I couldn't really find them anywhere. Like, you know, on any of the sites that were like the one that you mentioned, Joe with, with and full throttle Mm. was there. Like, you know, I looked up you know missed in in the sequel Riven, um and couldn't find anything so i really my research is is basically watching videos on this and stuff but my memory is is that it existed and everybody in the entire world was going gaga for it so the first one came out in 1993 um it, it it's a series centered on it it's just a series of adventure games. I always thought there was no story to Mist, And I know that's super ignorant because I never played them, but everything that I knew about Mist was like, okay, there's no, I felt like there was no characters. It was just this empty world. And it's not about it making sense. It's just about like exploring and seeing the visuals and, and all that stuff and solving puzzles and just going through it. And, and there is a, a very pervasive, um, Story that spans actually six games, although one of them is kind of not really counted. It's just supposed to be really five, but there is technically six they made. Um, so the company is was originally called Cyan. Now it's now it's Cyan Worlds. And it was started in uh, in the late eighties by two brothers, Rand and Robin Miller. They both um, were programmers who worked for. Uh, Macintosh they worked on Mac games and this was back when Mac games were the bottom of the gaming barrel as far as like specs go like we're talking one bit one bit graphics. They were just literally black and the color of the screen was white. So just nothing more than that just as simplistic as you could be. However. That doesn't mean that they did that. The artists didn't do a really good job with what they had, because um, as I learned later, I'm actually gonna talk more about this in the second half. But actually, there were some pretty impressive-looking uh, Mac games at that time. But you know, you have to sort of get your expectations down. Okay, no color, no music, no nothing like that. But anyway, they they were like Mac programmers. These two brothers. Mm-hmm. And they were really, really concerned with making their their goal that they said numerous times where they always wanted to create worlds, not just stories, but worlds. They wanted to be like gods, digital gods, and, you know, create every little aspect of this, this place and make it feel real and lived in and all this stuff. And they didn't, you know, at the time, know how to do that. There was no way to do that on the Mac uh, in the way that they were envisioning. And then there was this... Um, the this st- this software came out it was called Hypercard and it was I think they learned about it just basically like you know like a company presentation or something like that and it was it was um, a software that was developed specifically for Mac where okay, this is all it did. It was just they were basically like okay, so you can take various screens that we're calling cards and you save different cards as many as you want. And well, I'm sure there's a limit because you're putting it on a floppy, but, um, you know, take these cards and you can create hotspots in the card that will link to a specific other card. So if you're doing a like a PowerPoint type presentation and you have a list of four things on the screen and you want to click on the top one that says apples and that's going to now go to a page all about apples that's. And then you could do back, have a back button and go to the previous screen and then click on one of the other things. Like essentially that's what it was for. And, and these people, these two bros are like, I think we could make a game with this. And literally nobody else thought that they that's why mist was so incredibly unique so you know when you think of modern point and click games uh a lot of time you move around and you move like it's a first person shooter type there's plenty of games that do that but most of them even more modern ones don't have that level of like mobility usually it's like you move left you move right you move up that kind of a thing and it's going from screen to screen scene to scene like in the shanara game um and in that case it's like oh in shanara the first thing you see is like oh this gorgeous scene by the river okay and then you move left and oh now it's this other gorgeous scene in the Woods, and then oh, there's another gorgeous scene, you know. And so those types of games are really about like okay, every screen is gorgeous, everything's really, really pretty. Um, but Mist is bigger than that. Mist can't have every single moment be perfect. Sometimes it's just about moving, so it's more like a a, like a hybrid of the two. It's it's like it doesn't have true movement like a first-person shooter type game where you're walking around like doom but it's sort of trying to get there so you know you might be at the end of a hallway and you click forward and that is now going to the next card in the sequence which is a little bit further down the hall and then you might uh be able to turn right and left and see different things at that point And those are other cards turn left. Okay, that's that turn right now. You're seeing the one you were looking at previously. Uh, Let's go down a little bit further. And it's another snapshot of further down that same hallway. So what they did was they, they, you know, this is very early in like, you know, 3d rendering, but they rendered everything. And then they took all these screenshots, essentially these, these stills, and they just saved them all as separate cards. Literally what they're called, and using the hyper card software stack, they were able to compile a billion of these things and make this huge game, and it's not what it was for at all.
1: Jeez, that's so, so uh, impressive, man. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: so these guys they put this out, and it was, you know, it was developed, you know, for Macintosh computers originally. And then it literally, oh, yeah. A fun fact I never knew this before today. The, the name actually comes because it's missed with a Y. Uh, it actually is a reference to Jules Verne's novel, The Mysterious Island. Huh. They just took the first two, the first four letters, and it's just missed. Um, Very neat. But it doesn't really have anything to do with that other than it is technically an island. Um, but um, yeah, so it started on Mac and then it was. It was ported to the PC, and then it was uh, remade for everything at the time. So it, was, it went to the Saturn, went to Windows, went to this the Atari Jaguar CD, the 3DO had it, the CDI had it, PlayStation One, Amiga, PSP, Nintendo DS, Nintendo yeah. 3DS, iPhone. Wow like over the everything. years mist has just been on everything it's just at this at this moment i didn't have a, an easy way of playing it um, but yeah so it's it went on to become it sold more than 6 million copies and mist wow. so this came out in 93 mist from 93 to 2002 Nine years, it held the title of best-selling PC game of all time.
1: That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, shit, Holy That, that is like,
0: impressive. Isn't that incre- no incredible? Kidding.
2: So, do you guys have a guess what game beat it out? Minecraft. Two- so, so in th- 2002
1: might help. So, not 2002 Minecraft. is is the best-selling PC game.
2: Yeah, it's the game that ousted Myst, that outsold Myst finally after nine years.
0: Um, Unreal Torment? Nope. <laughs> no, that was in the 90s. Um, it, is,
2: it is one that everybody knows, and it does It does feel like when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, okay. But yeah, I wouldn't have been able to guess it.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. It's
2: The Sims.
1: Oh, oh wow. gee. yeah, you're right. Oh,
2: yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, game I never think of, but so many people played that game. Yep, yep, yeah.
2: totally. And just like Myst, it was a game that people who were non gamers kind of flocked to. It's just, uh, yeah, the new experience, kind of like the Wii. Same thing that happened with the Wii when that came out, they were marketing it to older people and younger people, people who weren't really gamers necessarily. They're like, you know, come look at this fun thing you can do. So, anyway, right. Mist. um, It's just this crazy thing um so the game basically i wrote some a little bit of the story so yeah so to complete the game the first one uh the player just explores everywhere there are certain things you can affect uh there is no inventory so that is a a big difference with most point and click games there is no inventory you do not pick anything up and keep it you can you can uh, like click things. You can move switches. You can turn wheels. You can move things, but you cannot take it with you. So that is like a big difference. I think. I think that's really worth mm-hmm. understanding yeah. how different that. You is. Always
1: have put such in, a huge inventory. and You're in like, what do I games. use the tissue on? I've exactly. had the tissue for twelve hours. Like, exactly. And yeah. so many yeah.
2: games would put red herrings like that in there and you're like i've been carrying around the tissue for 12 hours and it's like yeah haha the tissue's not good for anything and And, uh you know there's all these all these useless items that they throw in there um so yeah there's no inventory at all and that is a mainstay i i understand for the whole series um so you're exploring this island it seems like it's just one island uh and it's really cool uh definitely really pretty like you know classic architecture um and there are these like series of like rails that are like a roller coaster that you can travel around. And there's like sections like with that, that are these pre-rendered videos will play, which I'm sure were amazing at the time. Oh, I and bet. I'm, yeah. You know, I mean, mm. so there's no animation when you move none, you, you, if you move forward, it's like a chunk. It's a very startling, like chunk, chunk, yeah. chunk. And every bit you're going like, you know, 10 feet forward, 10 feet forward or something like that. But um, like I said, it's big. So you know, you kind of I I imagine that it gets like you stop seeing that startling chunky movement. I think yeah, I think eventually to it. Yeah, you sort of to just get used to it. It feels fine, and uh, that's that's what people were saying. And um, and I guess Riven is really the better one. It's still it's still choppy like that. But um, from what I from what I was reading, a, a lot of people revere riven the sequel to mist which came out in 97 um the most in the series that's like the most i guess loved overall but mist really was the one that started it all so anyway so um there are the story that you are uncovering is like this ancient civilization like who built this who was here before and um and the deal is like there are all these books and the the there is this race um of and I think they're called the, the Dunny and they, um, they had this technology where they could build, they could create books that were portals. And I don't really think that magic is really a term. I, I feel like it's more supposed to be technology, but it feels like magic. Um, and so you can search for these other books and each book links to another mini Island. and um, these these self-contained little worlds and those are called ages and um there are five ages outside of the main mist island and those are the s- s- this is a weird word selenit selenid s- selenitic selenitic i don't know I don't, I don't know if that's a real word or mm-hmm. something selenitic um mechanical channel wood and stone ship and um Every age must be explored, and puzzles have to be solved uh, before you can solve the one in the main world and beat the game. Um, something else that became a mainstay of the series, and it started in the first one. Um, there are sections where you will you will come upon a person, and the person is a movie. They just filmed themselves in the first game it's just the two brothers and they actually play brothers and um the deal is that there's two brothers that are both kidnapped or they're both in prison i should say imprisoned in various uh ages and they're you uncover them and both of them try to convince you that they are the good one and you should set them free but not the other one and the other brother's actually bad And so it's really up to you to figure it out and to decide and whatever. And I guess, you know, the brothers were played by the brothers, but one of the brothers also played the father and he was in some scenes as well. Um, And that's it. There's three characters in the game. And when you come upon it, it'll be like the same pre-rendered background. That's just a still. And then there will be a movie of like a character, kind of like Mortal Kombat. Right. It's like kind of yep. like that. That's what it looks like. And you see like the movie pixelated movie character on top of the still background. And honestly, like it, it's kind of cool. I mean, it looks very simplistic in the first game, but they got better at it. And even just the jump between Riven and Mist is really big as far as that goes and the quality of the graphics and everything. I mean, Riven does look a lot better and there was more characters. There was more actors and um, it's because the myth sold so much that the, the brothers just became overnight freaking millionaires and they just were like so popular. My god, I mean, they were like they, they had their own gap ad, they had their own like, like all these articles were calling them geniuses and like they were just instant overnight like celebrities. yeah,
0: super celebs, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. Um,
2: wow, but but but. You know, then they put up Riven, which was a big hit, too. But from Riven, they have been chasing the dragon of success ever since. And they've never been able to come close. And a lot of their releases have been just wrought with problems. And uh, they, they you know, they almost went bankrupt numerous times. There was at one point they uh, they were going to actually launch a, a like a live online. Um, it never was finished but I think it was supposed to be the original number four. I think it was, I think it was the original fourth one or maybe it was the third one. And it was going to be an online game when there was no such thing. They were going to like almost invent the online genre. And the, the idea was that people, it was like before MMOs and it was like when it was, the idea was that people would log in and you would see your character, which is obviously very different. Um, and, um, there would be people from the company cyan worlds that were also logged on and their full-time job was to just play the game and interact with character of the, with the other players in some way, but you wouldn't know who is who. So it's not like you could tell it was an NPC. It just felt like they were all people, but some of them are actually employees and they're actually driving the story in certain ways. It was an interesting idea. Wow. It, it never launched it never they never, never finished it yeah
1: failure to launch.
2: backing got completely pulled because because cyan got bought out by somebody i i wish i wrote it down i can't remember who somebody bought them in like the late 90s if you if somebody can find that um but it's a company you know like electronic arts or something uh, it's not i don't think it's electronic arts but
1: i was gonna say it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> um but somebody.
2: But yeah, so um, it, the the games in the series are Mist, Riven, Mist Three, Exile came out in two thousand one. Um, Uru Ages Beyond Mist two thousand three. That is the one that people do, seem to not count. Apparently, it's just so incredibly different. It just it didn't really feel like a Mist game, and so it's it's that it's that slippery slope where you're like, oh, I, I want to do something different so to keep it fresh, and you're like, yeah, you went too far. So right this is no way longer. Different. yeah so it no longer feels like it's part of the series anyway and then the so then they course corrected and put out Mist 4 Revelation in 2004 and ended it with Mist 5 End of Ages in 2005 and, and that is the last in the Mist series um the company has gone on to put out a couple more games um that are Mist like they're just not in the actual series um series proper but one of them is called obduction it's like the word abduction with an o abduction came out in 2016 um and i i bought it on the playstation four you uh, madman yeah <laughs> um so this this game is more like that fluid first person walking around sort of game which um i i obviously it's just better i mean it's just more fun to walk around that way sure i bet um i so so i've been playing it with with mrs parasite and uh i think it is insanely fun like i really like this game a lot abduction um it's it's on the ps4 uh it's probably on other stuff too if anybody's interested i definitely recommend it It, the graphics are great And, and and it has that same thing with the 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 movies of people when when you run into somebody it's it's the same exact they did it the same way they always did it it's so funny it's really dated it's really dated but it's like it's also the style of it though and it feels right it's like yep this is cyan yep and um and then they just actually put out their newest game last month um from 2016 it literally last month they put out a game called firmament and i guess this was a kickstarter and it came out just last month and i would say the reviews are are pretty mixed um it seems like a lot of people are kind of like man i'm pretty disappointed and then other people are, are 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 digging it but even the ones that are digging it seem to be sort of apologizing for it. And they're just happy to get anything. Um, but Hey, yeah, maybe it's really related, good. I, Yeah. I'll tell you what the graphics in firmament are amazingly great.
1: Yeah. Like God. And this game is fucking gorgeous. Well, I mean, way better wow. than Abduction. way
2: better than abduction. And I abduction mean, looks good. It, it does. It looks good. Um, but firmament looks really good. Really, really good. So um. You know, it's out there if people are interested. Um, but yeah, so anyway, that's my spiel on, uh, you know, the most successful point and click of all time by far.
1: Missed. Nice, dude. Thanks. I mean, man, you definitely did it some service for having not really played it. I mean, I remember. I yeah, never played it. I really only remember our aunt, uh, Aunt Sandy, playing this game and having missed on her computer. And it was really the only experience I had of it just was like not really sure what to make of it and you know it's just like what what do you what do you do you know i wasn't really used exactly. to games You're looking like this it's like <laughs> what what do you do do you have to like <laughs> right jump fight shit like what I as you know? a kid
2: i thought the same thing she was always just clicking around these ruins and i'm just like but what are you trying to do i don't know i'm just trying i, I don't know like, right. what is <laughs> this? What do you do?
1: He's moving around from pre-rendered screen to pre-rendered screen, right? Playing it forever. It's so freaking crazy. All right. Well, awesome. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, guys, for that first half. Uh, and we are going to uh we're going to move right on into the octoponder question. Uh the octoponder question that I asked of our retroids is uh is what is a great point-and-click adventure game for beginners? Uh, a lot of these games can tend to be kind of obtuse, they can be a little bit hard to uh, you know, get into, and uh, I was hoping for some suggestions of some good ones for beginners that might want to explore the genre after listening to this episode and want a decent place to start. Uh, so we will uh, go to a short break, and when we come back we'll tell you guys our thoughts and share our Retroids thoughts and, uh, and keep this train, uh, train rolling. All right, so we will be right back. Hey, kids. It's time to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books and so much more,
0: you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds But Usual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash
1: Paces, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad still talking with
2: my god man i can't read all of these so just feel free to play and experiment with the door podcast network there are over 30 shows chock full of dirty goodness to sink your ears into and they're all available on stitcher itunes spotify and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast
1: You know, this game would be better if it was a battle royale. Do you like technology? bet this tech would work better if it was a battle royale. Do you like movies, TV shows, and everything else that me and Nate can't agree on?
0: The Last Jedi was easily the best Star
1: Wars film I have ever seen. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Everybody in this room is stupid now because of you. Talking Gaming and Tech is a bi-weekly podcast where we cover the latest greatest in gaming and tech. Now part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Talking Gaming in Tech is a podcast produced by Tech Prime Media. You can find us on YouTube and all other social media platforms. You can find Talking Gaming in Tech on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts from. This podcast is filmed live. If you want to check us out while we're filming live, remember to follow links on social media and your comment might be read right on air. We
0: work at
2: uh, hi everyone, this is Frank Toniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater, and also the Mads are back, and you are listening to Retro Redoctopus. Um, wow, that sounds dirty, but, uh, okay. The worst we can find
1: Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to under this. All right, and we are back from that lovely commercial break. Before we took that break, I asked you what is a good point-and-click adventure game to recommend to beginners. Ones that aren't too hard, aren't too too tricky, good time to be had. Uh, might actually make a fan out of any given one of us. Uh, so I actually have uh, I have two two that I chose here. I have one for a recommendation for kids and one as a recommendation for adults. Uh, The recommendation I have for kids is actually going to be Freddy Fish in the case of the missing kelp seeds. I think that of all of the humongous entertainment games, I think that Freddy Fish is the best one suited for kids because it still keeps a great sense of mystery. There's really, really gorgeous artwork. I would say that Freddy Fish is my favorite art style wise um i love pajama sam but all the different scenes all the different underwater levels all the different creatures and everything that they've done i i adore Freddy fish and luther Mm. is so fun that you know it's just going to be a really fun funny time lots of great dialogue great interactions um i i adore the Freddy fish games and the first one is the best place to start as of any so i'd recommend that if your kids are interested like i said they're uh plenty of ways to play them on Steam and, and their website has some other platforms for some of the games as well. Um, if we are talking about adults, I'm going to say that the game I would recommend is Snatcher. Um, Ooh, now, nice. this is a little bit of a you know suggestion in a, in a kind of a, a blurry definition of what a point-and-click adventure game is. Snatcher doesn't really involve you pointing or clicking or moving a character per se. It's kind of more like something like mist where you have different screens and then you have you know a menu of options at the bottom and you choose do i want to enter this location do i want to talk to this person do i want to do whatever and then you're kind of just going through this kind of mystery this detective story it's very heavily based on the likes of uh the blade runner and terminator and a lot of that cyberpunk sci-fi stuff um developed by konami and the folks uh Uh, with Hideo Kojima, um, the creators of Metal Gear Solid games. Uh, The main problem with Snatcher is that it is like nigh impossible to play this game legitimately. They only came out with this game in America on the Sega CD. That game is worth an insane amount of money. I did not get to play it on actual hardware. I had to emulate it much, much later. Um, But the reason why I picked this game is not necessarily because it's so easy per se. I know I was going for beginners, but this game grabbed me in a way that I didn't think this genre could anymore. When I played it and I wanted to try it out, I was really just messing around and I was just like, oh, I've always wanted to try Snatcher. And then I was in and I just played like so much of this game. And I didn't I didn't ever get to beat it. Um but the story, the writing, the scenery, the the atmosphere, the music, like Everything going on is like, if you have never played a game like this before and want something that's actually like pretty solid and you can sink your teeth into, it's an amazing experience. Or if you're just looking to kind of rekindle that love for these games and you've never played Snatcher, I can't not mention it somewhere in this episode. It's not true point and click, but it's very, very much spiritually there um and uh yeah it's just definitely one that has to be experienced it's just a shame that it hasn't been re-released in any format uh and i think it's just <clears> probably <throat> yeah. an issue of all these different people who owns the rights who can release it all this other kind of stuff so it's unfortunate but definitely check it out look, at, I, look uh look into how to play it
0: i want to add to that um actually you can play the snatch game on the turbo graphics mini what? what yeah i i have it in English? Yes, I believe so.
1: Oh my god. Wow. That's crazy. I, so I want to play it. it on the Turbo Duo? Did it get released oh on the god.
2: Turbo Duo? Oh my god. I've always wanted to play this freaking yes. game. Yeah, yeah
1: it's,
0: it's, on about it so much it's on the, on the PC, PC engine.
1: Holy crap. All right. All right. Well, Mind that blown. is excellent to know. Oh I my mean, god.
2: That is all not. Cats and not- dogs living together. Mass hysteria.
1: That's not the easiest thing to get a hold of either, mind you, but it's definitely easier than getting a Sega CD and a copy of Snatcher. Right.
0: Um, so it's, you can it, definitely start it's probably there. like the cheaper route too, if you're looking to like purchase it, but
1: yeah, yeah. Um, the soundtrack in Snatcher is phenomenal. So I know it'll be a little bit different uh, on the Turbo versus the Sega CD, um, but that's really, really cool. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for the info. Um, yeah. Nintendo. what about you? What was your choice?
0: Yeah, so uh, mine's going to be like a little giveaway for later on. But um, like I said earlier in the episode that I didn't play a whole lot of point and click adventure games. Um, sure. So mine mine would be Maniac Mansion for the, mm-hmm. the NES version. So I don't want to say too much about it because I'm going to talk more about it later on. So I'll just leave sure. that for
1: now. Nice. Cool. Nice. yeah, Awesome. All right. Uh, Parasite Steve.
2: So I am going to uh, say anything from the... Pop cap amazing adventure series. Popcap is a company that was bought out um about 10 years ago, but they had their like you know five, six, seven years. Uh, this is the company that made Zuma, and Zuma was so popular for five minutes. Um Bejeweled, bejeweled, yep. Yeah. And they had a ton of uh really they were more marketed as hidden object games, but the thing is that they were kind of just a hybrid, they were they were really I would say that they were actually, most of them were point and click adventure games that incorporated hidden object screens as puzzles. Sometimes they were the main mechanic. Sometimes they were part of it. And it's like, oh, okay, now here's a screen that you're going to have to search for a bunch of objects. And you, you know, have a list out at the bottom and, and whatever, but it's still a point and click adventure. Um, and the same sort of stuff would apply. Like you would go around and, you know, you could move a switch and turn a gear and, you know, you know, pick you know, oh, that's not working. I got to find a battery in a different place and, you know, put it in there anyway. So, uh, the amazing adventure series was all completely, completely great. I was going to say amazing, but I'll just say great. Really super good. Um, they had, um, let's see five games. Um, and they were like, all really fun, really high quality. So, um, I'm going to list the games and then I'm going to tell you why my reasoning, why this is for kids. So, uh, the games are, uh, they all start with amazing adventures. Um, these are all currently st- I think you can still buy, they're still available on Amazon. You can just purchase for like 20 bucks each or they're all on steam. So, you know, either way. Uh, but they're, they were for PC. I, I don't know if I said that. Um, Amazing Adventures Around the World came out in 2008. And the last one came out in 2012. So f- these are all between 2008 and 2012. So Around the World, The Caribbean Secret, The Forgotten Dynasty, The Lost Tomb, and The Riddle of the Two Knights. Um, the reason I say this is a great series for uh, younger players to pick up is um, they are easy to play. as i said they're currently on steam um you can you don't have to worry about it being difficult to try to emulate or try to find a system or anything like that it's pretty easy to easy to play i think a lot of kids are on able to you know get on steam and stuff like that a lot of people are um also i think this is actually a really big one it goes against our sensibilities but um the graphics are are modern looking um it feels good to play it's a very simple easy interface the mouse is just moves. Everything's quick. Everything's, you know, very responsive. Um, I would say that most kids probably would say that retro look is a negative, you know, they don't care about the hand-drawn pixels. They, it just looks old and ugly and they don't, they don't care. Um, so I would say that, you know, having a modern look is, is for kids today, um, is probably a plus, Um, also lots of variety in the series, like the settings are very unique. Like there's a Caribbean islands one and there's, you know, we, the one that I remember the most is the lost tomb and that was all Egyptian. So like, they're all very different. Um, so you can get each one and really feel like, yeah, no, I have five different, totally different games, same sort of game, but like the wrappers are very vastly different and they're just gorgeous graphics. Um, also, like I said, they combine point and click with hidden object, which is, You know, it's like for I remember going back to the I spy book series like with you when you were a little kid. And that was like Mm -hmm. the first time we were doing like a a hidden object thing It was like in a book. So it was just kind of a fun, natural progression. I think it's something that kids like to do is to like, you know, search for the hidden objects. And, you know, now there's more to it. There's also other stuff you got to figure out the point and click stuff. And I would say that they're just really good games. They are very actually well done. And worthwhile, and uh, you know, back in the day, I used to love being able to go to like Target or something, and you would find all the PopCap games were on this like end section uh, with the video with the rest of the video games, and they're always so cheap. A lot of times they were like ten dollars at the time, and you'd go and you just like sometimes just look and and just pick a random one and bring it home, and it was really fun. And then they had a lot of imitators too, because PopCap was getting so freaking popular. Um, and uh, also, uh, since I'm, I'm mentioning PopCap, shout out to our uh, buddy who's not listening to the show, but that's okay. Paul Niemeyer, uh, artist who did a bunch of video game artwork in the 80s, actually did a lot of artwork for PopCap. And he I know he worked on Bejeweled 2. I remember he was talking about that in our yeah. episode with him from like know, like four years ago or something. It was quite yeah, a while Something
0: like that, yeah. Yeah,
1: a while yeah. ago.
2: Anyway, that, that's what I have to say about that.
1: Very Good. Edition, I'm very glad that you mentioned PopCap. <clears throat> I didn't think about them at all. That's uh, that's that's so true. A- excellent, excellent games there. Um, Alright, so we, we only got a few uh, answers from our Retroid, so we'll go into those. Uh, Andrew Worshborn says Maniac Mansion. Um, uh-huh. No specific platform mentioned, but obviously a classic. Uh, Berker Fanar. <laughs> hey there, Berker. Uh, he says, uh, he, this one has all his votes. It is the Back to the Future, the game. Uh, which is a point-and-click adventure game that,
0: nice.
1: uh, as far that. as I know, uh, is really, really beloved. Um, and I, I want to say that was the early era of the Telltale games before they were, you know, kind of doing their Walking Dead and stuff like that. Um, they were doing games that were in the style of, like, how this Back to the Future game is. So that's definitely more modern. It was, like, PS3 era. Um, very cool. And then Adam Laterno, our pal, says King's Quest Six. Five was too wow. hard and esoteric, and seven wasn't as good. They had really perfected the formula at six with challenging yet not impossible puzzles. Very fun game.
2: Nice. Awesome. That's awesome. I never played and the King's Quest series. Yeah, Neither me did
1: I. You know, the only one that I, I have access to is they did a remake of the original King's Quest game. And I have that on PlayStation 4. It was a, uh, a game that they had for free for one of the months with PlayStation Plus. And I downloaded it because I thought it looked fantastic. I, I was, you know, always curious about the King's Quest series. Mm, right. Um, and when they had made it free, I was like, oh, wow, this honestly looks fantastic really great i i I might have an awesome time with this and you know they had kind of done like a a cool stylized 3d graphic but you know has a bit of that cell shading to it not too you know too excessive but it looked it looked neat and uh i don't know i i just honestly time goes on never never got around to playing it but i do have it in my library um I do want to take this opportunity, uh, since our octoponder was a bit short. I want to do a little bit of a lightning round, uh, personally, because as we've been talking, I've just thought of so many other point-and-click adventure games that I just, I kind of want to just fire off real quick uh, before we get into the second half where the we have all our shit. <laughs> so, uh, the shit. So the lightning round, the, the lightning, uh, be
0: there. Uh,
1: uh sorry. I'm gonna yeah. start this off. I'm gonna start this off with uh <laughs> game is called Zach and Wiki Quest for Barbarossa's treasure. And this is a game for the Nintendo Wii developed by Capcom. Whoa. Uh this game is so good. And I don't know why. I just always forget about it. I I love this game. It is not a traditional point and click adventure game, but you control the characters by pointing the Wii remote at the screen, pressing where you want them to go and having them walk there. You have to solve each different individual screen of the game by figuring out whatever the puzzle is of the level. You have these different items, these different abilities that allow you to get from point A to point B. I think this game is tremendously good. And I think a lot of people loved this game when it came out and it was kind of just, I I feel like this was the tail end of Capcom. Just like I mentioned before, like weird, quirky (laughs) Capcom, just doing weird shit. And it was totally working um, before they just rested all of their laurels on Resident Evil Street Fighter and Monster Hunter. Um, But they they put out this game on the wii and it is super cool so that's zach and wiki quest for Barbarossa's treasure Hmm. um so the the next game is going to be toonstruck uh toonstruck is a graphic adventure point and click game by burst studios uh, published by virgin in 1996 for dos this is the weirdest fucking point and click game i've ever played (laughs) And it is because it is one of three games that my dad owned on the computer that I even <laughs> knew about it or played it at all. You play as Christopher Lloyd, like actually Christopher Lloyd physically like in the, the game. Uh, and he's just immersed in a world of like madness and crazy cartoon characters, crazy cartoon <laughs> rejects. He uh, he ends up, you know, he's, he's like a, he's a comic book artist and he gets, you know, overworked and gets sucked into the, the world of the comics that he draws. And uh, and so you, you have to go about and, and solve all these different puzzles, much like any other point and click. This game is the hardest point and click game I've ever played. This is the exact opposite of a game that I would recommend to beginners. I think it's a really amazing curiosity and it's mm-hmm. funny. It has some really good dialogue. It's, it's done super well. Um, but good Lord, is it not intuitive? It is very obtuse. It is the definition of like, oh, we just came up with these weird ass solutions to these puzzles that make no fucking sense. And you're never going to try to put, you know, the ham sandwich in the doorknob and then be like, well, that's how you open the door. You know, it's like just the dumbest shit. Um, and I remember having to look up all the different stuff, but, uh, it's, it's really, it's something. Uh, so I I think uh, it's worth a look. So that's Toonstruck. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is there's a company that has been doing stuff for a very long time called Wadjet Eye Games. That's W-A-D-J-E-T, Wadjet Eye Games. Uh, And they have made a ton of different games. Uh, They've published a ton of different games as well. Um, But one of the games that they published is a game called Primordia. Uh, primordia is a game by wormwood studios and it is a really beautiful dark cyberpunk kind of game you play as this like robotic guy there's a lot of like the palette in the game is very brown and orange with bright you know teal lights and everything um and i had forgotten all about this game until we were just talking um and i i played through this whole game with my buddy will i don't even own this game but i remember sitting down and just playing through the whole thing one day um it's a really cool game. And the company is still putting out other titles. Um, they they have just released a game that I hadn't even heard of that came out like this year. Uh, so there, there's all sorts of different, you know, things to check out from them. Uh, the, their most recent title was The Excavation of Hobbs Barrow. And uh the team who made Primordia, the game that I liked so much, uh actually came up with a, you know, another game uh called Strangeland. Um so that's Wormwood Studios who did Primordia in Strangeland. So if you really go digging out there, there is an absolute wealth of of point-and-click adventure games out there. I mean, you know, it is not just LucasArts. It is not just Sierra. Um, there are so many amazingly talented artists out there and programmers and stuff. And, I mean, there's only so much time in the day, you know? How are you going to get to all these things, right? Right. Uh, it's pretty wild. Um, the The one that I'm going to end my lightning round on is one that you just reminded me of, Steve, by talking about PopCap, and that is Drawn the Painted Tower. Yes, Um I adored that game, and that was another one that was like it was kind of a seek and find. It was kind of a point and click. You have an mm-hmm. inventory. You have to solve all these different puzzles, and uh, and there's really a lot to kind of to kind of figure out. And the game was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It was made by Big Fish Games, uh, which is kind of funny because they're oftentimes just chalked up to like that company that makes shitty games for the PC, like for five dollars at Walmart. Um, but uh, but Big Fish Games definitely really did a great job with Drawn the Painted Tower and they turned it into a series. They came out with two sequels, Drawn Dark Flight and Drawn Trail of the Shadows. Uh, and I guess the games have done so well that as recently as 2021, uh, they released a remake of the first game and it is called Redrawn the Painted Tower. Whoa, uh, and it is all redone artwork it is in widescreen aspect ratio and it looks gorgeous and it is 14 on steam i don't know what other platforms it's on um Whoa, but a lot of these are so on cool. pc and nice. i am i'm honestly just blown away like just going down this rabbit hole just talking about this stuff for yeah. this episode seeing these things it's like oh my god so you know a flood of so many different games i'm like oh my god i had forgotten all about Ooh. those so um,
2: that's so cool. I'm glad you mentioned drawn. I was actually considering picking that as one of my picks. And then I was like, no mist is the important game to pick. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't <laughs> talk about, I can't talk about drawn the painted tower over mist, but
1: I loved I loved this game. Oh my god! I really couldn't believe how much I loved it. Like you guys were hyping it up and talking about it, and I borrowed it from you guys, installed it, and just was like, "Wow, this game is so pretty!" And solving all the different puzzles and like getting to further parts of the tower and everything—it was yep. really fun. It was really, yep. really fun. So yeah, I, I definitely want to check out Redraw the Painted Tower and uh and play through that first one again. And you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe investigate the other ones maybe they'll do uh, remakes of those who knows um they they have positive reviews but they don't have that many reviews that's right, the thing right. you get lost in the sea of all these different games yeah so,
2: there really were that, have, that was kind of the when that game came out those like 2008 2010 2012 like that era that 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 time period was like the golden age of of like the Renaissance. It was like the Renaissance of point and click games because they really, truly were always at Walmart and target for five, 10 bucks. They there was were. a million of them. I mean, there was also like the mystery case files, like, um, like series. I remember there's, we had one, uh mystery case files returned to Ravenhurst. Like we had a ton of different ones that were similar. I remember we had some, I, I don't remember the series, but it was definitely a phantom of the opera themed one. And like, cause uh, Mrs. Parasite like loved these. We 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 would we were buying them. Like they were going out of style. She was just devouring these, and I would play s- s- some of them. But she was like going through like nothing. Like couldn't couldn't get enough of them. And they were all that same mix of point and click and hidden object. Very fun. Very fun little era. Little microclasm of uh, that genre just pretty much existed only right then. But
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, very fun, very neat. I an amazing a little...
2: artwork, amazing, always yeah. across no matter who was doing it, amazing artwork.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but anyway, yeah, so just wanted to do a little lightning nice. round there cool. in lieu of a shorter ponder So, that being said, let's move right on to the second half of our show and uh, start things off with Mr. Nintendo and your second pick.
0: Yeah, so uh, my second pick is Maniac Mansion, yeah. Um and oh, that, yeah. was, that was released by Lucasfilm Games, also known as LucasArts, from 1990 to 2021. Um, they are an American video game licensor that is part of Lucasfilm. It was founded in May 1982 by none other than George Lucas. Wow. 82. Can, yeah, 82. And by George Lucas. Oh, Can you imagine that? The fuck? <laughs> I know, it's like the name is just not a coincidence <laughs> at all. Like,
1: God. Wowie. Wowie zowie.
0: Yeah, so they're just a video game development group alongside his film company as part of a larger 1990 reorganization of the Lucasfilm divisions. The, the video game development division was grouped and rebranded as part of LucasArts. LucasArts became known for its for its line of adventure games based on its SCUM, SCUMM engine mm-hmm. in the 1990s, including Maniac Mansion, the uh, Monkey Island, and several Indiana Jones titles. So yeah, you know what SCUMM engine concept.
1: stands for? I have no. no idea. Script creation utility for Maniac Mansion. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm not yes, kidding. Yes, yes script
0: I, creation that utility for Maniac Mansion. Yep. They made the SCUMM engine
1: and then SCUMM VM later, but it was literally they made it for maniac mansion and then used it to build a bunch of other games on
0: which is crazy yeah that, that that's funny yeah it's funny actually so yeah so maniac mansion is a really fun game you can beat it in so many different ways you can play it the short way and play it the longest way possible it's really diverse and it's a lot of fun it also uh very gory uh so you can tell as like it was inspired by like like B-movie, B-horror movies. Mm -hmm. Um, So Maniac Mansion is a graphical adventure game originally released in 1987 by Lucasfilm Games. Maniac Mansion has become known among video game players and programmers for its highly acclaimed gameplay and its introduction of new ideas into gaming, including multiple possible endings, uh, which didn't really exist at the time. Sure, Um, yeah, in 87? No kidding. Multiple user-selectable characters. With significantly different abilities and critical clues contained in numerous cutscenes. Yeah. And the plot of the game is at the start of the game, the hero Dave Miller finds that his girlfriend Sandy Pants, Pants with a Z at the end, has been abducted. <laughs> Sandy Pants. Pants. Sandy Pants. Pants. Has been abducted by Dr. Fred Edison and sets out to save her with two of his friends. The player could select the friends from a group of six, and the game would play somewhat differently depending on which friends were selected. The game was clearly a parody of the B-horror B-movie horror genre featuring a secret lab, leftover tentacles, and an evil mastermind. And the characters. Let's see if I can find the characters here.
2: This this game okay, was yeah, so yeah. unique. It was, it was very very very. I unique. Mean, on especially on the Nintendo. My God, there was nothing. You, it's like there was nothing even that it reminded you of. Right. This was it a was
1: new, pretty ballsy this for them was, to try to port that to the Nintendo. Right, yeah. right.
0: Like, like, I didn't really... I mean, at the time. I did not know that this the the Nintendo version was the ported version of the PC.
2: Right, right. No, we had idea. no idea.
0: We so were like, not later in on
2: the Yeah, we just weren't. We didn't have PCs at that time.
0: No, we didn't and at all. Neither of us. Yeah. And
2: and I remember you you owned this game, right? Yep. Yep. Because this is a game it. I this is one of those ones like Monster Party and the original Godzilla game for the NES and Ultraman for Super Nintendo. Like th- there are certain games that I just really always equate with you. And this this <laughs> is There's one of them. this is definitely yeah. one of them for sure. Yeah. Like Maniac Mansion, Joe, like 100 <laughs> percent right
0: right right i think yeah, i only it, played it
2: with you yeah probably probably I mean, you yeah. probably brought it over or i'd play it at your house and that's the only time i'd ever play it
0: yeah sure yeah uh so the characters are dave miller as we, as i mentioned before is the main character looking for his girlfriend and then you have bernard bernoulli is a nerd capable of this disassembly complex electronics but suffering from Overwhelming Cowardice. He reappears <laughs> in Maniac Mansion 2, Day of the Tentacle, which I will mention a little bit later on, mm-hmm. um, as the main play- playable character. Razor is a female punk rocker, talented on many instruments. Wendy is an inspiring novelist with talent for writing. Jeff Woody is a surfer. Kind of <laughs> useless. Uh, Sid, S-Y-D, is a New Wave musician. And Michael F. Stoop, is a photographer okay so like like i said earlier you know you can choose between two other people to join you on your quest and and uh depending on who you pick the gameplay is totally different um it's just a lot of fun my favorite part of the whole game is definitely the cutscenes because sometimes it'll just be random it seems like it's just random to me like if you like ring uh if you like Go into like go into the house and you go into the kitchen, and it's like okay, uh cutscene will just happen. And then it's like, okay, well, the the, the one of the bad guys is like okay, I gotta go in the kitchen, and you just have to be in the kitchen, and it's like, oh shit, I gotta get out before I get captured, or whatever. So there's like a lot of like holy shit moments in this game. <laughs> like, you don't want to get captured because Right, it freaks it is, you out. It, fre- it, fre- it really right. does. Yeah, it, it's it's just so much fun. I just love yeah. it. it. It's funny too. It, it's pretty comical. It's, it's very funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. And there's there's
2: so much freedom. There's freedom to like do stuff that doesn't matter, and there's freedom to do stuff that does. And even the stuff that does matter, sometimes you can just fuck yourself completely. And course, like yeah. you know, you just ruin the game and you die and you end. And and it's like right, right. there are other ways to like sometimes it's not just that you got you got captured and that's game over. No, sometimes it's like, oops, you know, you did this, you screwed it up. You know, it's almost like you would expect the game to not let you make fatal mistakes in that way, right? Like you you broke a, an item that you need or something. I don't yeah, know, yeah. and then it'll find some play some cutscene of you know the the guys coming in to get you but it's because you did that or something i don't right. know it's really interesting there's just so much freedom and obviously the
0: hamster is the, what the hamster thing it was like the biggest thing it's like holy shit especially on nintendo you stick a hamster in a microwave and it just blows up in the microwave. right like, just like oh on. like what the fuck like one of the <laughs> characters so has a pet
2: hamster you can go upstairs get the the hamster hamster, (laughs) and then there's a microwave but it's not close to there it's way downstairs it's in the kitchen it's like not anywhere near where you are but if you in your twisted brain go gee i wonder what happens if i put the the hamster in the microwave it freaking works and it It works
0: yeah yeah yeah, i mean just putting the the hamster in the microwave was just one thing and then it's like okay well you gotta close it and then and, turn it, and then it on. It says, "says use microwave. And it's right. like, oh, my God. So the door closes. You hear the microwave going. Uh, and then you hear a. <laughs> like, oh, my uh. God. So and then, and then you can open up the microwave and the, the inside is like all blood. Like yep. the, thing, the poor thing exploded in the microwave. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, funny. <laughs> and then so the, crazy. The
2: poor kid whose hamster it is comes down, and he finds you. And I'm pretty sure if you do that, it's an instant death, though, isn't it? Doesn't he find I'm you right sure. away? Oh, I'm I don't know. Sure. I, I, it's I don't been too remember. long. there. But yeah, yeah, this was this was like... <clears throat> so, the first game I remember having multiple end- endings was DuckTales. But, I mean, let's be real. Those endings are not that different. It's just how much money you have. And there's three possible endings for DuckTales. You have like $0, Zero. is yep. an ending, which I've, is the one I've never seen. And then there's any amount of money under a certain amount. And then there's over the certain amount he's he's the best yeah but that's yeah. all this was you know an amazing amount of endings and they were completely different, completely different. from each yep. other <clears throat> so, yeah. crazy. so different so i remember there being like the two tentacles i remember like green tentacle and purple tentacle yeah and and i remember there was a meteor and I, that's yes, like, that, this, that was like that's like the, the, the main, main stories the main, that um, yes. yeah that like the sentient meteor fell to Earth and it was like alive and it could talk and like yes it hit the house didn't it isn't that what happened or it hit outside yeah yeah it, I think
0: it landed outside the house and the and the then doctor they brought it in brought it in and the, <clears> the meteor <throat> right. corrupted the whole family corrupted
2: the whole family right <laughs> yeah so yeah super super funny just yeah. fun and I just love all the bees I mean you can
0: stuff. like you can just like blow up the the mansion. And then everyone dies.
1: <laughs> that's oh, right. an ending.
0: That's an ending.
1: Oh, right. Isn't there like a, of, like a furnace? All player choices are, are acceptable. Like, right. whatever you can <laughs> exactly. do with the tools yeah. given to you right. is on the table. Whether right. you should do it or not, it doesn't <laughs> right. matter. Yeah, right. beautiful. Let's fucking I think like, you can, yeah.
2: I think there's a furnace in the basement, or something like that, there's or maybe, yeah. a, or maybe not a furnace. Maybe it's, it's like, like a nuclear reactor. reactor. Yeah, a a nuclear. That's reactor. what it is. Yeah. It's a nuclear reactor, yeah. right? And yeah. you can make it blow up. I remember doing that. The, oh one, my god! One of, the,
0: one of the funniest things to to uh, to beat uh, the meteor boss, you had to you know, wear uh, a suit, the radioactive resistance suit or whatever, and mm-hmm. you had to grab the meteor. Go into the garage, open the garage door, and put the meteor in the trunk of a car. Oh yeah, I totally remember that. Yeah, and then and then the car just blasts off into space.
2: Right, that's, that's one of the endings. That,
0: that's I think that's like like the be, one of the best endings.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I remember I remember that one. And yeah, it's the cars flying in outer space, and the meteor's in the trunk. And I remember yeah. there was one other ending where the meteor ends up on like a talk show. Yes, or like. It's either the meteor or the tentacle or something ends up on the uh, on a talk yeah, show.
0: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he manages to take over the world. It's like so different. Yeah, so many different things. Yeah,
2: so different.
0: God. So so awesome. Like I, I want to like I actually now that we know about that website, I want they that game is on there. Must be yeah. So yeah. so I want to play that version. See it see how it compares to the nes one that would be a
2: really good crow's nest too we could do a whole episode and like go more in depth or something because i haven't touched that game in so freaking long
0: oh yeah same here yeah. <clears throat> and
2: i i would like to it's uh that oh man that game is just yeah. a fucking labyrinth <laughs>
0: yeah it's so good i mean i would love to see like a like a remake of that game yeah that, that'd be awesome totally. um, yeah so that's that and then The sequel, Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle, I have never played this one. I honestly did not even know about it until we were doing this episode. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Um, So, Day of the Tentacle, also known as Maniac Mansion 2, Day of the Tentacle is a 1993 graphic adventure game developed and published by LucasArts. It is a sequel to the 1987 game Maniac Mansion. The game's plot follows Bernard Bernoulli, the the nerd from the first Mm -hmm. one, and his friend's hoagie hoagie and laverne hoagie as they attempt to stop the evil purple tentacle is the purple tentacle from the first one yeah right uh who is a sentient disembodied tentacle from taking over the world the player takes control of three people and solves puzzles using using time travel to explore different periods of history so that's all I know about the I, that game. I, I've never played it, so I don't know how good it is. Maybe
2: that is on the website. That would be another one I would like to. I would love to, to try that uh, one, actually.
0: Out. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Not even wicked <laughs> fun.
1: And yeah. hey, you know, oh. I just just, just got to reiterate Ron Gilbert, creator of Maniac Mansion, went on to make Humongous Entertainment. So crazy. Just, just yeah. got to reiterate yeah, that, reiterate like, that just, shit. all of this incredible amazing fucking point and click stuff that yep. has been so you know <laughs> definitive for for us across different generations same yes. guy yeah. <laughs> yep. it's like so same amazing guy. same same God. humor
2: you know same kind of humor like humor ford very humor yeah. forward. Yes. yes
1: yes yes very funny and and just like genuinely fun um yeah. awesome Awesome, that is fantastic. Thank you so much. And I will mention that Day of the Tentacle did get a remaster uh, done by Double Fine Productions, the company of Tim Schafer, as I mentioned, and uh, and that is basically the exact same original game, just with all the you know art touched up and widescreen and all that stuff. And it is currently on sale for three dollars on Steam, so you wow. have no excuse. Um, Day of the Tentacle. Uh, all right, so I'm going to go to my my second pick and uh, go through this one as. As briskly as i can we're sort of we're sort of going here and you know i'm glad i'm glad this is going well uh so the the second company that i will start talking about is a company called amanita designs amanita being the uh poisonous mushroom that is Red with white spots, so traditionally a Super Mario mushroom, uh, but actually poisonous (laughs) in real life. Uh, Amanita Design is a Czech indie game developer. The studio was founded in 2003 by designer, artist, and animator Jakub Dvorsky, and is known for its emphasis on surreal worlds, lighthearted humor, handcrafted appeal in audio visual experiences uh the team started with around six people and has grown to a size of only about 20 which is still big growth but a really small company even today um Most of their games belong to the point-and-click genre that we are talking about. Hey, who could have guessed? Uh, And Dvorsky has said in a 2019 interview uh, with WCCFTech.com that recently we've tried to move toward more accessible and approachable games. In our game, Pilgrims, everything that you do, every item that you use does something. You at least get a funny animation, even if you don't progress. Older adventure games, the game design was quite lame. The designer would create some very complicated solution, and you'd have to unravel what they were thinking, and so we've been trying to make our games more accessible and intuitive. Um, This is the exact thing that I love about Humongous Entertainment, too, that you're just able to have fun and enjoy the game, even if you're not making progress. Um, So it's really neat to see that some of their newer games are are going in that direction as well. Um, When asked about their design philosophy for games going forward, Dvorsky says that They really won't be going through any kind of big revolution. They're going to stick to their point and click, you know, roots and everything like that, but they want to evolve their games, you know, and kind of approach the their approach to the genre of adventure and puzzle games. They don't care about the rules that are set by previous games of the specific genre. They just want to do what they think is right for the game. So some might be a point and click game, but they also have other hybrid elements to it. Some might just be a puzzle game. They have a lot of different stuff going on, but they're all very firmly rooted in that classic kind of point and click puzzling experience. their games are not necessarily mainstream, um, although I will say that one definitely became quite mainstream, uh, but they have done relatively well despite remaining small. Um, their first game was a game called Samorost, which is a trilogy of of cosmic space gnome adventure games. Uh, the first one was actually just a web game, and the uh, second one was a short experience that was available for uh, you know normal distribution, with the third one actually being a full-length title. Um, you just play as this little guy in white pajamas in outer space. He's, he's a space gnome. I don't know. It's cute. Uh, there's also a game called the uh, which was a web game made for the BBC uh, to test your knowledge of English, math, and science on a magical mission to recover your friend's hat. Uh, it also aw- <laughs> got some awards and nominations for the british academy award bafta and the mochi award in 2009 for best game art uh the game that is the big pick for me uh, afterwards of this is machinarium uh 2009's robot adventure game so i yeah. will get into that more later <clears throat> uh definitely the game that put Amanita games on the map yeah. and uh and following that uh at least you know th- there's bunch more games that came out after there but uh the one uh, i played afterwards was called botanicula which is a game from 2012 uh botanicula follows the adventures of five botanical creatures named mr lantern mr twig mr Poppyhead, mr feather and mrs mushroom who are trying to save the last seed of their home tree from the evil parasitic creatures that have infested their home uh that game was really adorable too i i liked it a lot it's it's just got a fun, light-hearted sense of humor through everything. It's quirky. It's weird. It's kind of ugly, so ugly that it's cute. Like it's got this very unique art style. It's got you know well painted, well drawn, all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But the say, characters Say themselves, the name one like, more
2: time. What's it called? It's
1: it's Botanicula. So like botanical but dracula i don't really know why they went with this so it's b-o-t-a-n-i-c-u-l-a um and they just sort of have like that cute ugly thing all the characters are like you know wonky little eyeballs and stuff like that and i don't know it it's charming as hell i i i Downloaded it, I bought it and played it after playing Machinarium because I loved it so much. And I was like, Oh, I want to play the next game from these guys, and I had a great time. Uh Amanita Designs is currently operating in several small teams and they're working on a bunch of new games for various platforms. I actually just downloaded one today on my phone uh because I discovered that they came out with a game on phones that i had never played it's called chuchel c-h-u-c-h-e-l and it is this funky little game on the phone where you play as this little guy who's trying to get this cherry and every single screen of the game you have to figure out what you need to do to progress the story and then once you clear that screen it moves to the next screen and it's kind of like Scrat from ice age trying to get the acorn. He keeps trying to get this cherry and everything is going in its pathway to stop him from getting this cherry. Um, and it's just funny. It's just funny and quirky and weird. And I like supporting this company. They they really have a unique sensibility to them. Uh, on the 18th of May, 2022 they announced that their development of their next big game is their first 3d adventure game called phonopolis and it will feature handcrafted assets and a traditional 12 frame per second stop motion animation aesthetic so i am really looking forward to seeing how they realize that um all the all the other games have you know kind of presented really nicely so i'm very much looking forward to that. But Amanita yes. Designs, they are a lovely little team of cool. people in the Czech making fun point-and-click adventure games and and changing it up too. I mean, They just came out with a, a bit of a psychological horror game I heard called, called Happy Game. I haven't really seen anything about it and I haven't played it myself. And then there's another game that they came out with called Creeks. C-R-E-A-K-S. And uh, this is less of a point-and-click and more of a puzzle game where you're trying to figure out you know how to progress from one end of the screen to another using all sorts of different logic and stuff like that um but the the art style is gorgeous it's just this really unique like dingy kind of kind of lived in like rusty you know it's not about being glamorous but it's about having this like just very distinct kind of like rusted look to it like dirty and it it, it's done so well i don't really know how to put it into words that make it sound appealing we just gotta gotta take a look at it um but yeah so moving on the big ticket item here is machinarium i will be fully fully honest i never would have played this game if not for um the humble bundle um the humble bundle and the humble indie bundle has blown up into a massive freaking empire of you know subscriptions and software packages and all this other nonsense but once upon a time humble indie bundle was a you know semi-monthly bundle that would come about that would bring all these little indie games together and you'd pay one price and you'd get a download for all of them and you could send a bunch of the money from it to charity and it also just helped kind of bring to light smaller games that maybe people didn't play and uh machinarium was in that bundle in one of them that i bought and i mean god i would have never known about it but i i loved it i played it during uh during probably my second or third year of college um so to get into it the game is a kind of sci-fi dystopian adorably quirky and surreal point and click adventure game from 2009 that came out on pc initially and has since been Release on everything, you know, Mac, Linux, PS3, Vita, iPad 2, the Blackberry, Android, PS4, Switch, Xbox One. The game is out there. There is no reason for you to not be able to find a way to play it. Um, Machinarium is the first full-length adventure game from Amanita. All of their other games prior to this were kind of bite-sized little games that you could maybe play in 10 minutes, 20 minutes. They were point-and-click games, there just wasn't a lot to them. Um, You play as a robot who has been exiled to a scrap heap. Players have to use logic and collect important items and solve environmental puzzles to get the robot, back into the city of Machinarium so that he can rescue his robot girlfriend and save the head of the city and also defeat the bad guys from the Black Cap Brotherhood because they're jerks. Um, Creator Jakob Dvorsky describes in the same... 2019 interview that in the case of machinarium i love science fiction and robots but also old abandoned buildings and rotten rusted machines and that kind of stuff where nature is taking back human civilization and human creations this contrast really interests me um i feel like that might be a a better angle to try to entice you to the, the aesthetics of the game um But like many games of the genre, you guide your little robot around, whose name is Yosef, which is adorable. I don't even really remember that until I read about it. Um, But the thing that is unique is that as you click around, you are only able to interact with items that you are physically able to reach. So it's not like you can just click anywhere on the screen and the thing immediately teleports into your inventory. You have to walk your guy over there, and then you can either shrink his body down and make him really really squat so he can fit into little things or you can extend his torso way up and he's way taller now and he can reach things that maybe he couldn't reach before and as simple of a game mechanic as this is this really changes things totally because you're used to just being able to get at whatever and the game will automatically just bring your character close enough to get it. So it's not just seeing the thing on screen that you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's also positioning your guy in a way that he can do it, um, which right. I thought was really fun. It's such a simple little wrinkle in the formula. And it, it added something to it that I thought was worthwhile. Yeah. Um, the, the game doesn't really have any spoken dialogue. Um, you know, you have this intro sequence that sets up the story. Uh, all of the characters just kind of speak in like a cartoonish mumbo jumbo um they have little you know speech bubbles or thought bubbles that pop up and show little animated cartoons and stuff of you know memories or things that have happened or you know what a particular character it wants so everything is just kind of pictogram you know you're not ha- having to listen to these long you know long-winded dialogues and stuff like that sure i think a lot of people love that about point and click adventure games but it's also kind of nice to have something where you're just constantly engaged. You're not necessarily sitting and listening to someone or going through a bunch of text or something like that. You're just kind of in the world and everything's being shown to you in a mm-hmm. visual way, which uh, resonated with me. I think that just it's like, kept it- uh,
2: It's like Wally meets Sean the Sheep.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And, and I, I have a ridiculous amount of respect for people who are able to convey full ideas with no dialogue. I think it is one of the most impressive things, and I I really respect the ability to do that because it's not yes. easy to do, and it really comes across very 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 strongly uh, when it's done right because it just clicks, and you're like, oh, I yeah. get it. Like uh, the explanation's there, mm-hmm. and you know you don't have to give me twelve paragraphs. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I just think that's one of the most impressive skills in storytelling. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, the game has this kind of dingy color palette of browns and greys and bits of green and orange here and there. But I I think that it is uh, it really has a a style that reminds me of stuff of like you know Salvador Dali and these surrealist painters and stuff like that. But it's also I don't know. It, it it is its own thing. It's it's a bit reductive to just say it. It's it's like those guys. Um, the last thing I'll say about the game, other than it's a lot of fun and just you know totally worth your time, uh, is that the music for the game uh, was handled by Thomas Dvorak, who also goes by Floex. Um, He's a contemporary Czech composer, clarinetist, producer, DJ, and multimedia artist. Uh, He started his collaborations with Amanita Designs with their second Samorost game. That's the Space Gnome, for those of you who maybe forgot. Uh, And then he did the soundtrack for the game that followed right after, which was Machinarium. Uh, And the soundtrack for this game was met with pretty wide acclaim. It actually won the PC Gamer's Best Soundtrack Award. um, And he is going to be composing all of the music for their upcoming stop motion game Phonopolis Uh, I have listened to the Machinarium soundtrack a lot of times it is really really good it's not like oh you're going to be humming these tunes but they are melodic enough they're very industrial sounding they're upbeat lighthearted, kind of like this relaxing sort of vibe Uh, it's an awesome awesome soundtrack and it actually just just this year was lucky enough and got a vinyl pressing uh there is a vinyl of the machinarium soundtrack
0: oh, really? out
1: there that you can get yeah and i'll be honest i thought really long and hard about whether or not i wanted to get it i did not end up buying it but man did i freaking want to um and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely done pretty well. So cool. uh, so that's definitely cool. And uh, I don't know, you know, I think a lot of people who are into indie games know this game, but I kind of wanted to bring it back up because I think it just sort of kind of left the zeitgeist and maybe hasn't really been talked about a lot recently and I just think that you know these guys and, and this game are definitely worth remembering and revisiting and, uh, and you know I I like seeing what they're working on I'm very much looking forward to uh, Phonopolis but cool. um, yeah it's it's just, just one other little avenue of point and click that definitely stuck out to me
2: so, I remember playing I'm that sure. too on your recommendation like on the PS3 I guess must have been yeah um, yeah it was really great. I never beat it. Um, you know what happened? That was uh, one of the games that when my PS3 died, like that was one of the games I was part way through yeah. and I just never went back to start over. Right. But um it was a really good game. It was really I, I thought it was fairly hard too. Like I, I didn't think it was easy and breezy at all.
1: I, yeah i, 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 it was I pretty think challenging. it's tricky yeah because like some some of the solutions that you need to think of to to figure it out it's like you got to think outside of the box you know it's like oh you got to be holding this item while you're also extended and like mm-hmm. yeah it's it and i it feel makes like
2: timing you... is also something that mm-hmm. is important and that's another thing that's never an issue with point and click games you know right usually you usually never have to worry
1: about timing or anything <laughs> right yeah but yeah, stuff. cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So to wrap it up, Parasite Steve, what have you, sir?
2: Sir, I have, guys, I have. So I said I was going back to the Macintosh. So Going back to the Mac.
1: And that's what back I'm doing. Back to the mag, Mac. Attack.
2: So Macintosh back in the mid 80s, mid to late 80s on the Macintosh. One bit, glorious one bit graphics. Um. So there was a series of games. And they were called the Mac Venture Series. And mm-hmm. we know them uh, not by that name. And um, we, we sort of think of them as Nintendo games. But um, there were actually four of them on the Mac Venture uh, Series. And uh, yeah, these games, uh, the first one is actually Deja Vu. Came out in 1985. Second one is Uninvited, came out in 1986, and the third one is is definitely the most popular, which is Shadowgate, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, that came out in 1987. That was actually the third game to come out in the original series, and it was followed up by number four, which never came to the NES. Drumroll, please. Deja Vu Two, Lost in Las Vegas, 19, 1988. Man. So. Ported to the NES in a very different order. Um, so they were originally uh, developed by ICOM Simulations uh, and featured glorious black and white one-bit one graphics, as I mentioned. And they had s- some simple animations. They had sound effects, but no music. The Mac, Mac games at that time didn't have music at all. So it's just some sound effects. And there was even some digitized like 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 laughing and you know explosions and punch sound effect and gunshot and stuff like that. They would actually play. it. So that's not really on the NES versions, but of course the NES versions were in color and had great amazing fucking music. I mean, just insane music. Okay, um, good. Mm. So they reported in totally different order. The first one that came out was Shadowgate, it came out in 1989. Um and then Uninvited also in 1989. So Shadowgate came out in March, Uninvited was September of the same year and then Deja Vu came out in 1990. And then that was it. So in my mind this was always a trilogy of similar games that were, you know, spiritual sequels as we say. Um all put out by the same company, they were ported by Kemco Psyka. Um this is uh they did all of them but they did rebuild them from the ground up. So it wasn't just like a port; they were like adaptations. They were very different. They, every screen had to be completely redrawn. Um, the The aspect ratio of the screen is completely different. Um, th- they had to fit a lot more onto the screen for the the because the the inventory menu worked completely different on the NES. So on yeah. the Mac, you're using. The, the cursor using the mouse to navigate and the way that the in- inventory worked on the mac is you had like a big section of the screen was just this white box and <clears throat> you would just literally drag stuff from the screen with a whatever room you were in if there's like a key or something and you want it in your inventory you literally just drag it into your box and it would literally just drop there and you could put it back you could put stuff in the rooms um if you wanted to put it back in so that's something you cannot do at all excuse me on the nes you can't just drop random things yeah you can use certain things if you're supposed to use that item in that spot then it'll take it out of your inventory but you can't just like drop a random thing But in the original, you could literally put anything anywhere and it would pervasively stay there. So if you were running out of room in your inventory, you're like, I'm just going to drop this crap here and remember it's here and I'll come back for it later or something like that. So that's like very different. Um, um, Also, uh, the yeah. So that that meant that uh, the NES one. So, okay, there's no mouse. So it's like such trade offs. It's like, well, the screen the area reserved for the room itself, the graphic of whatever you're looking at was much, much smaller on the NES. It did have music. It did have color. It had the same about the same amount of animation, which was not much, Um, you know, same kind of sound effects, but not the laughing, not no, no voices, but there was some sound effects. Um, But, you know, the, the graphics were kind of like, i was i was really trying to compare them and it's like okay it's easy to say that the nes is is the best version like just looking at it next to each other you're like okay there's no question but then you keep looking at it and you're like you know what the play the like gameplay wise even though i never got to play the the mac venture version it's like you know it's probably a lot better because you you have the mouse you can drop stuff in the level you can take stuff from the level you can do all that stuff that is just objectively so much easier to do than moving the cursor with the d-pad on the nes which is very clunky (laughs) yeah and 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 also because of the way that the inventory worked it wasn't a graphical inventory for the nes so it was just like it looked like a uh like lined pad like Lined notebook paper or something, and each one was on a different line. Each thing, so it was like key one, and and uh and then they would like abbreviate a bunch of stuff. So sometimes you'd have like something that was like you'd have key one, but bottle. It couldn't write the whole bottle, so it'd be like B O T L or something, or or you know stuff like that. It would just it would just right a lot of weird. Abbreviations
1: astuce, where you're like, what does that mean?
2: Right. And you're like, well, bottle one, what one's the bottle one? What one's ring three? What ones, you know, it, it's just like it got confusing. So I don't know. I think that that is a huge drawback for the NES. Um, yeah, yeah, but it is the version that obviously I played. So okay, so let's just do a quick rundown of the of the three games, in case you guys don't know. I will not go into them exhaustively. So Shadowgate is the first one i played it's the first one that came out for the nes it is one of my favorite games it is just one of those games that's always been in my heart um i have said ever since the beginning of the doing this podcast back in the old days when we did it in 2014 and i do it almost every episode i host now my my sign off if i'm hosting is always it is a sad thing that your adventures have ended here and that is from shadowgate that's like the the death screen for those who, who didn't yep. know when yep. you die in Shadowgate there's a billion ways you can die. There's 99 99 ways to die. And uh <laughs> no matter how you do it, the Grim Reaper is waiting there and there's that music. It's like so ah, I just love the music in that game. So, it's, also, yeah. like we, we've talked about, you know, eight bit. You've talked a lot about like video games, music, and video game songs, the way it was made and stuff like that. You've done eight bit minutes on this kind of stuff, and you've talked about. You've used the term "sound font," which is like you know the 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 the, the instruments, the instruments, yeah, like the identity, that, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that game uses, or maybe that company. Like we we you can hear a lot of similarity with Capcom games from the eight bit days, or like you know Sunsoft games or Konami. Like they had their own sound and it's because they're figuring out their own frequencies their own musical instrument quote unquote like sounds and uh, oh my god the freaking music the sound font for these three games for the NES is just so unique like I can hear two notes and I'm like yep it's from one of those games like yeah. right yeah absolutely just so distinct um, and, oh and I should say the composer for all the music of all the games was um, uh, man by the name of Hideyuki Masuno. I believe it's a man. Actually, I'm not positive.
1: It sounds like a man's name.
2: So, um, (laughs) anyway, Shadowgate, basically, it's a uh, haunted castle. It's like a dark fantasy horror sort of a thing. So, obviously, this is going to be my favorite. That's, like, everything I love the most. Um, Then there's Uninvited, which is a... Well, it starts out, and it's like a haunted house. It's like a ghost thing you're like oh this is a ghost story but then it gets just so weird and there are just weird creatures and um none of them are explained and there's just weird circumstances violent animals that eat you and i don't know like a, a bouncing tomato and i don't know there's just very very strange things are afoot in the uninvited or in I always think it's the uninvited. The uninvited is a movie. Uninvited. The uninvited. It is a haunted yeah. house movie. Um, but uninvited is the uh the game. Uh I I I really like uninvited as well. I mean, it was my second favorite. And then there's Deja Vu, which I admit as a kid, it was not interesting to me. The the rapper but now I love this kind of crap. So like, this is the one that I always felt like I should go back and play because I never really gave it the time of day when I was younger. And, uh, Ape, I know you have gone through this as, as an adult. I remember being around that one day that like you and Garrett were playing this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, deja vu is a 1940s detective noir story. Just so completely different. Um, yeah. And the version for Mac venture, actually there's a version out that you can look it up for the sequel deja vu Two. It actually came with a, like it came in a box that looked like a Halloween mask and it had a mask. It had like a white mask and it it's clearly supposed to be Humphrey Bogart. Um, looks just like him um what a cool freaking package i mean my god and they even put out a version of the original the the mac venture the shadowgate one like there is a normal like no big deal cardboard box version but there is a hardcover book version of it too and and that came with like the the discs are in there and there's a strategy guide in there and um it's like so cool like it's a hardcover book version of Shadowgate. I kind of just want to get that, even though I'll never have a way of actually playing the game. Just to have the right book would be just so cool, it's really neat. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they're all like very similar. Like I said, the, even the music, even though the songs are different, and Deja Vu sounds nothing like Shadowgate, like in the songs, the instruments are all the same, and it just puts you in that same mood. The interface looks exactly the same um same exact layout it's like yep we're home i'm home this is these are they're such spiritual sequels uh that they are almost sequels but they're just not actually sequels um so anyway i'll 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 leave it there there's not like that much more to say i i just really love these games i think they're all really great and uh i i really did try to see if i could um find any way to play the original mac versions and um there was a few sites that were like the one that we mentioned for shannara um that i found um some other ports because so shadowgate in particular was ported to so freaking everything it was a very successful game um tons of different computers got it and there are all, they're all different, like every version. It's like, yeah, you had to basically make it from the ground up every time. So they're all very different. So there was a version that I did find, but it's like, man, I really was looking for the original Mac version to play it. Yeah. In some, some way to emulate that. And I just wasn't able to find it. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, so that's right. So I'll, I'll read what I was going to read. But I, there is one more thing I want to mention. That's right. I'm, I almost forgot. Okay. So I'm going to read. So my quote for the beginning of the episode, when we all mm-hmm. did our intros, is I read the very beginning to the NES prologue to the game. But I'm going to read the slightly longer version, which was for the Mac. This is the original original. It's slightly okay. different. It says... The last thing that you remember is standing before the wizard Lackmere as he gestured wildly, enchanted in an archaic tongue. Now you find yourself staring at an entryway which lies at the edge of a forest. The druid's words still ring in your ears. Within the walls of the castle Shadowgate lies your quest. If the prophecies hold true, the dreaded warlock lord will use his dark magic to raise the behemoth the deadliest of the titans from the depths of the earth you are the seed of prophecy the last in the line of kings and only you can stop the warlock lord from darkening our world forever fare thee well i think that our uh, nes version went longer and said some of that too but i still think that's a bit expanded but anyway there's that so i will say this okay so there's a guy I found on youtube and he was talking about this and i thought it was fascinating so he was doing a review of the mac version and he was a big fan of the original he played it at the time and it's just a huge version a huge fan of it so anyway um yeah the the mac version is a little bit longer couple extra rooms few extra rooms different things you can do that aren't in the nes they couldn't fit everything onto the cartridge i guess because it was like two floppy disks where the game so apparently that was more information than you could cram onto an NES card. But there's he at the end of the video he's like okay there are two secrets that I've never been able to solve. And uh and if if you guys know how, you know, to do them, I'll make another video to update it. And so he did. Huh. So so one of them was a door that legitimately went to nowhere. He even contacted the original creator guy and talked to him. And the guy's like yeah i'm pretty sure that was one of the things that led to cut to stuff we had to cut um okay so even in the longer mac version there was still a bunch of stuff they had to cut and he was like rattling off he's like yeah there was going to be a scorpion room and a basilisk and a, you know all these different cool creatures that they didn't get to actually do um for I guess they could, I guess there was still limitations with the amount of space. They're like, okay, no, two floppy discs. That's the game, not three. Um, but anyway, the other one did honestly have a way to get through it. So there's this room that's it's the room very close to the beginning of the game. And first you come to a, a like there's a lake. You guys will remember this. There's a lake on the right side of the screen, and there's a shark swimming in the lake, and there's a skeleton yes, in the back sir. It, and, yep. he's, and he's holding a key. And so later you have to freeze that and walk over to the skeleton, and get the key. But so before you do any of that, you go past that. And that next room is the one where there's a landslide that has collapsed over some stairs. Yeah. And, um, Oh my God. It's like in the NES version, I remember, I remember getting in there. I like, I meant to double check, And like actually watch a long play to to confirm that my memory is correct. But I'm pretty sure you can get in there and there's a, like a secret passage. There's a, I think there's like a single room in there or something. I'm pretty sure, but if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, whatever. But this guy was playing the Mac version and he's like, okay, there's a little part of the screen that, um, it's it says move and there are little dots designating where the doors are. So you can move around by clicking either the literal graphic of the door on the light like, or the little room, squares. Yes, or I totally fucking little, remember this. Yep. Or the little squares that are in that move section. So there is a room. It's indicated that there's a room behind the the, the staircase that has the landslide. Yeah. And he's like, I've never been able to figure this out. And there's been rumors that there are ways some way to get in there and stuff. Oh my God. So he this guy is like the expert. He had scoured the internet. He talked to the original creator. The original creator said, yes, I believe we put something in there, but I can't remember how to do it. And like, he, he's like, I, I wonder if the knowledge is lost to time. He's like, I, every every time I, I find a forum where somebody's talking about it and I try to do the thing that they say, it doesn't work and I just don't understand. Okay, he got it to work. And yeah. it's the most ridiculous freaking thing. Clearly, they did not want you to do this. There is, you know, the room where there's like, it says EPOR on the wall. Which is rope spelled backwards? It's the Epor room. Yeah. Anybody know? Well, anyway. Yeah. So I you remember, get to the yeah. so you get to the Epor room. There's like a bunch of little bottles on a shelf, and they're all useless. It's like bottle one, bottle two, bottle three, bottle four. Yeah. And they're all different shape, and you can take them all, and they all do nothing. They're like we were saying. They're like the red herring objects. They just do nothing at all. And they're like the tissue you're carrying around the tissue for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. So apparently if you take bottle two, there is a spot in the Mac version because you can't do this. in the NES version that you place it onto the environment, onto that area that has uh, the staircase with the landslide. Oh yeah. First you have to open the bottle. They, he said like, it, oh, no, 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 you have to close it. Yeah, Apparently, you can open it and take the cap off and it'll look different. He said you have to make sure it's closed. <laughs> it only works if the top what? is still on. So the top's uh, on. You have to put it in this. You want to talk about pixel hunting? This pixel perfect spot. You cannot be one pixel off vertically or horizontally. This spot has to be exact. <laughs> And if it's there, he said, then what you have to do is you have to take your torch and you have to use the torch on the bottle. It says nothing happened. Okay. It says nothing happened. He's like, but apparently the logic is you're heating up the liquid, getting it ready to explode. And it only works if you do the torch first. It only works but it says it did nothing so there's no logical reason to think that anything happened but you place the thing it has it has the cover you do the torch heat it up it apparently did nothing only it really did then there are rocks all on the ground you pick up one of the rocks and you put it in the sling which you find earlier you you use that later in the game to kill like the cyclops or something so you have the sling is basically like a slingshot and then you load it up with one of the rocks and then you hit the bottle and it explodes and the rocks actually go away like he's like oh my god my my whole entire life has been leading to this moment of the freaking rocks actually going away and you can see the whole staircase he's like oh my god oh my god it's the best moment of my life and then like he, you go forward and it's just a white screen. It says like three letters that are there that you can examine. And it just, it says, it's like the symbol of some, something that I guess is sort of referenced in one. There's a library room in the Mac version. That's not in the NES version that has a bunch of books that if you dis, if you feel like it, you can read and get the whole backstory of the, of what's been going on. That's just not in the NES version. Um And apparently those letters are referenced somewhere as meaning an organization or something. I don't know. Um, And there's a bottle of wine, just a bottle of wine. And you can drink. And it says, oh, it tasted really good.
1: That's and, it. Well, when you wow. get there, I'm watching it. It says this is the Todd Zipnick Memorial oh, the secret Tod- Room.
2: Oh yes, so it's the Todd Zipnick Memorial Room. So Todd Z- Todd Zipnick was like the head of the uh, company at that time, and he ended up actually dying really young, but it wasn't for another like six years. So the guy's like, um, it's really weird that this is. E- Called that? Like,
1: there's a memorial room for a guy who wasn't dead at the time of its creation,
2: but he did die super young. But not yet. So what the hell? Weird. Um, and and so that's it. You exit the room. The landslide is back. You it doesn't just open it forever. The landslide right. just comes back, and there's no way to to remove it again. Not for that playthrough because you you destroyed the only bottle too. And uh, that's that. So I just thought that was wow. insane. I, I mean, my memory is that there was a way to get in there and it was just like a little room. I thought you could move and I thought there was a a thing well, in there. that I don't know. Maybe there isn't, though. Maybe I'm just so, wrong.
1: I... So the main way I played Shadowgate was actually the Game Boy Color version. I had the Game Boy Color version, or I think Mike had it. And that was okay. the main way that I played this game all the time. And I was watching a playthrough of that because I was trying to remember you know, the exact room. I'm like, I can picture it. And in the Game Boy Color version, there's just on the move, the move little diagram. You can either move backwards or you can move forward. But forward just takes you behind the waterfall. Okay, yeah. Where there's yeah. like a little room. And then there's like a stone that you have to You have to, you punch. Have to hit. Yeah, okay, that's what I it. was thinking. Wow. Yeah, so that's there. It's behind the waterfall which does not show up on the little move diagram as a place you can go.
2: Okay. It just, See, I always so like, I I guess I, I I interpreted that as being a little, where little this went. Like a little little nook behind the the rocks. Like I mm-hmm. I guess I thought that was But yeah, that's what I was thinking. So Yeah. It appears mm. that, that that room is not in the Mac Venture version at all.
1: Yeah, it doesn't so, seem like it.
2: So maybe the NES was like, well, why does this go nowhere? Like, let's just make it go somewhere. I don't know. Right. But anyway, I do remember the rocks being on the ground, um, in the NES version. And I'm pretty sure you literally just need to get a rock to put in the sling. And I'm pretty sure that's how you kill the Cyclops later. I think mm-hmm. that's the only purpose for it. I'm pretty sure. Um, Anyway, I just thought that was insane. So, um, yeah, that's the Mac Venture series. Definitely uh, very beloved games for me on the NES. Shadowgate, Uninvited, Deja Vu. One of these days I'll go back to Deja Vu, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to go through that one uh, all the way. I mean, Garrett and I had played through half of it. We still talk about it. It's just, uh, it was was cool. All those games are awesome. Um yeah. but yeah. Well, hey, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've really done a hell of a job here. Uh but before
0: before we before we go any further, I just want to mention real quick. Sure. Do you, you guys remember uh, Worlds of Power from uh, the those Nintendo books? Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. So there know.
0: is a Shadowgate one.
2: Yes, and it's called the...
0: Before Shadowgate.
2: Yes, and I had oh. it. <clears throat> yeah, I uh I owned I'm the kidding. book and it was written uh, with the, uh, they, they consulted the guy that I mentioned that was like the original creator guy. Um, he, it was written with his help, like to make it all kind of work together, I guess. Right. That is really cool though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I would love uh, to uh, snag those again. Yeah. I mean, this one is like the most expensive one out of the bunch that they've released. Uh, so this one right now I'm on eBay and, uh, Someone is selling it for, uh, one hundred forty-four dollars. <laughs> oh my god!
1: Well, yeah. you know, it's it's like old school gaming paraphernalia, right? Yeah. It doesn't even even be yeah. something people want for it to be worth money, right? It's right. crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, that's really neat, though. I, I hadn't, I didn't even really know anything about those books. Uh, all right. Nice work, we've,
2: guys. We've pointed. We've clicked.
1: We've clicked, and hopefully we've... you clicked and listened to us.
2: And we've all had an adventure.
1: We did. Many adventures. We did. Um, So, you know, it's almost time to catch that horizon. Before we say goodbye, let's go to this. According to the clock, it's half past 13. So light a candle, uncork that
2: cask of Amontillado, and dust off another tome from the bookshelf
0: of the day.
2: Hey everybody, how's it going? Parasite Steve back on the mic again. I have for you tonight in this this spooky edition of Bookshelf of the Damned. A book that uh I like to call by its title. And uh its title is Sick House. It was written by Mr. Jeff Strand, a pretty popular dude actually, as it as it turns out. Um this this book is just it happens to be the last one I I read and I kind of enjoyed it and I, I thought I would bring it to y'all. It is a twist on a haunted house story. It's very different. Um, I will do what I always do. I will read from the uh, the back of the book here and I'll read you a little synopsis by the author. This came out in two thousand eighteen. Um, the back of the book says. It's a home invasion from beyond the grave in this novel of unrelenting terror from the Bram Stoker award nominated author of pressure dweller and wolf hunt. It doesn't seem like the perfect house, but screw it. It's good enough to rent it for a year. Unfortunately for Boyd Adeline and their two young daughters, it's immediately clear that they chose the wrong place. The nightmare begins with violent coughs and headaches. Food starts to rot almost as soon as they take it inside. A pet tarantula is gone missing, and some family members begin to exhibit creepy behavior. Then the ghosts arrive, and all hell breaks loose. So this is one of those instances where there is so much more to say. Uh, That makes this book great, like so much more like that synopsis just doesn't really do it enough justice. But if you say the stuff, then it ruins it. So, like, I understand that, like, that's why it doesn't include any of the really great stuff. But, yeah, I will I will just uh, say if you are a fan of haunted house type stuff, home invasion type stuff. This is a a nice family that something really really terrible happens to and it is really different. Like the, what happens with the ghosts is just unique and I just don't want to give it away. Um but yeah, so Sick House it's it's available um on Kindle, it's available on audiobook. I don't actually think he released hard copies of it um but i i listened to it on audible and the narrator did an awesome job and i definitely as joe hempel is the narrator um he did a great job really cool book this was recommended to me by my wife mrs parasite aka christine and uh i enjoyed it quite a bit nice yeah
1: well that's awesome what a great book recommendation. Sometimes after pointing and clicking at things, we also like to turn pages and read things. Yeah, it happens. Use our use our skills that we've also practiced because there's usually a lot of reading and pointing and clicking <laughs> games. Awesome. That is true.
2: That cool. sure, yeah, man. that's the tie-in. That's the tie-in. There's a lot of reading
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pointing and clicking. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. Glad you yeah. Up that. yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I I I got that, man. I it oh, was lost on. Me. No, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. glad Oh yeah, dude. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up the episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope that you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you liked what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. As well as being a part of the Art Podcast Network, Octopus is a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so if you get a chance, please check out our shister shows, (laughs) like Comics Paradox, Splash Pages, the Weekly Warp Pipe, and Throwdown thursday for more information or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows please visit thedorkening.com and be sure to check out our killer sponsors deadly grounds coffee that's coffee to die for i've been uh, uh, uh. i've been your host uh, 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 and we will see you next time